Ernest, what's up? Look, in the world of personal finance management, finding the right tool is crucial. If you've been relying on Mint to keep your personal finances in check, I got a mix of news for you. Mint is closing down. But here's a silver lining. Monarch Money is stepping up as the go-to financial app and users, including myself, are making the switch with a smile. Before Monarch, juggling my finances felt like navigating a stormy sea. Other apps either lacked features or were too cumbersome. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design turned financial management from a chore into a breeze. The constant updates, well, that's the cherry on top. But what truly set it apart for me was its collaboration feature. Money matters constrain relationships, but Monarch brings peace to the table. The app's collaboration tools allowed my partner and I to seamlessly manage our finances together. We aligned on our budgets, tracked our cash flow, and even planned our future goals all in one place. Speaking of goals, be it saving for a down payment, your dream vacation, or your children's education, Monarch simplifies it all. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal hailed it as the best budgeting app. This isn't just an app. It's the next generation of personal finance management, ad-free, intuitive, and always evolving with you in mind. Now look, Monarch isn't just another app. It's the all-in-one solution. From effortlessly importing your data from Mint to customizing your dashboard to your heart's content, Monarch respects your privacy with a strict no-ads, no-data-selling policy. This is financial management as it should be, focused on you. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Mondays. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Mondays for your extended 30-day free trial. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. All righty. Let's go. We Welcome back. back. Market Mondays. Yes. Back at it. Yeah. Back at it. Last back Monday of it. the month. I told the one by. Time is flying yeah. by. Halloween. Oh, Halloween. Samal. That is a fact. You, uh, you, you participating? Nah. Well, nah, I don't participate in Halloween unless it's a vibe. But um, Unless it's a vibe. Uh, some, of you your, some of you have had your clown suits on all year. So. <laughs> that was an alley That was an alley That was an alley <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> That's like when T Mac bounced it to the Vince. Yeah, there we no go. No need to dress up. This is this is the D Wade. <laughs> hey, a fact. Full blown circus already. It's already a circus. All right. Uh, yes. Big big week. Before we start, we want to talk about the ten winners from the Market Mondays Live. Um, and pick ten people randomly. And we will be announcing those names at the end of the show. Yes. So you must yes. wait. Stay you must tuned. have patience. That's very important. Patience is a virtue. Patience is very important. But um, we're not going to make no reaction videos. <laughs> this will be promise. This will be done at the end of the video uh, today. We will be announcing the winner. Got you it? should make a reaction video to old boy talking crazy. 
but we're not. Uh, shall forever remain nameless. <laughs> shall forever remain nameless. We might we might have some commentary throughout. Shout that. out to Johnny Gill yeah. throughout the episode. <laughs> my, my, my. <laughs> I told people to invest in the S&P. Like, oh, great. I hear you. (laughs) You're done. You're done. You're done. Big week for Market Mondays. Um, As always, as I said, we got a lot to talk about. We got got a guest this episode. So this is going to be very, very insightful and enlightening Mm -hmm. for sure. Yes. Um, And then also, Earn Your Leisure. We got a dope episode tomorrow. Eastside Golf. Shout out to my guys, Earl and Olajuwon. Shout out to the the crew. Um, Check that out tomorrow. They got a dope new collaboration with Jordan Brand. They've been killing the game documentary and uh, show on Hulu, all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And... uh, we're back with Axis Over Liabilities. Our, we are our, back. Our Revolt show comes on TV tonight and YouTube on Wednesday. Shout out to Revolt family. Pusha T, first guest, dope entrepreneur. I actually talked about, we interviewed him at his clothing store in Philly. He got a mm-hmm. couple clothing stores. He also has a um, health company where he actually transports people that are in need. Um, health transportation company. Mm-hmm. That's pretty, the one. Pretty interesting. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, talked uh, about, you know, you know, he wrote the, um, I'm loving it. From McDonald's. Jingle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He wrote that. So he talked about that. He talked about the Arby's disc record more, that more. he did form against McDonald's. Smart. So um, you yeah, know, and I, he, he and that's another thing. Like people didn't realize that he's part of the sample that's in the Arby's uh song now. No, so he's yeah. he's still getting pushes it's one, one of them guys. Man. I mean, that, that McDonald's situation is legendary. Steve Stout's like a lot. Yeah, it's a it's a learning experience for sure. Um, and then of course, you know, talking about fashion. You know that's what he's he's big on, and yeah. uh, you know that that's the the lineage that he comes from, Pharrell and everybody. So the last know. time we saw him, because of eventful night in Paris, in Paris, Patty, <laughs> Patty. So check it out, big big, you know, big week. And then we'll be at Afrotech this week as well. So yeah, shout out to Afrotech. Thank you for having us. I think we speak on Thursday. Um, we will be Thursday. So all the techies, all the black techies out there, yeah, yeah, outside. Let's talk about AI. Let's talk about quantum computing. Let's yes. talk about all the tech stuff, man. Afrotech is a very big situation. So, you know, it's, it's, it's in Atlanta. It's in, it's in Austin, Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Austin, okay. Shout, shout to everybody participating in the New York City Marathon this weekend coming up. My brother will be uh, representing the family, representing the brand out there. Uh, so, God bless everybody that's taking part of it. Um, go, Greg. We, we're rooting for you, man. We all sure. for you. Shout out to Greg for sure. So, Ian, sure. any announcements? Yeah, Stock Club call will be this Wednesday. If I made you money, please put yes in chat. Um, I will be doing the J.P. Morgan event with Jalen Brunson and Nigel Sylvester this Saturday in New York. Um, so that's going to sell out fast as every other one has sold out. And then next, well, November 11th, I'll be in Toronto with the guys from M to M speaking. So yeah. moving around. Y'all moving around. I'm moving around. Some yeah, other people yeah. not moving around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Listen, when old boy put his girl on screen, and when he put the name in the title, I said, "Oh, that bag not banging. Ooh, that bag light." Say my it's name, I'll make him dash like when you tell when the money isn't going well, and they're like, "Let me get an ISO," but the ISO don't work. Shot an airball. Say my name. Say my yeah. name. I make a dash like Dane. Bad look. Um, shall tell Jalen uh, Brunson we need we need him next summer for for summer league. I got you on that. Yeah, for yeah sure. the New York yeah, team. For sure, we need so, yeah. And we shout need out to the guy. He said shout out to Toronto. I think uh, today is Tweet's birthday, man. Shout out to my brother Tweet. Oh, shout out to Tweet. Yeah, man. Uh, Shabab, everybody out in Toronto holding it down. I, I know y'all got the event. Mm-hmm. You're participating. Shout out. I think Mike is going as well. So shout yeah, out to Mike everybody. Too. We will not be in town, so we won't be able to make it. But uh, good luck with all that, man. Shout out to the six. For sure. Shout out to the six. Yeah, Jalen, we need them for Ferris, actually. 
Oh, and that's, Howard, that's right there. You just pull up. Right Ten there. minutes from the practice. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Yeah, we're we gonna talk about that. that. All right. So let's get into this. Jamie Diamond sold one. Hold on, hold on. Before we do that, we gotta make sure that the disclaimer is in place. Oh, that's good point, point, man. Come on, man. Yeah. Do your own research. Our content is intended to be used. It must be used for informational purposes only. It's very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you here on our show and wish to rely upon whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise this is a message brought to you by the good brothers at earn your leisure and the good brother ian dunlap the master investor himself please continue to do the research please share the research and when you found out that the research was great and you executed on it give credit to the person you found it from love is love y'all and go watch exactly. the damon jar interview the interview was fire please that was shot, shot damon drugs getting cooked by Stephen uh curry too. i watched that live that was crazy hit him with the home alone hunt him with the oh. home alone got him got him nasty work nassau nassau so <laughs> if you know you know if you know you know a fool yep. if you know you know Jalen did well Jalen not so much let's get your collateral in the offseason Fred Van Fleet what's good baby shout out to Fred all right so Jamie Diamond sold 1 million shares of JP Morgan Shares worth of a hundred and forty-one billion million dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, should this be a concern for the entire banking sector or the stock of JP Morgan, or is this something that's just regular, nothing to really be too concerned about? Um, for me, I have to say, um, shout out to everyone at JP Morgan, love you dearly. Uh, no need to have a meeting about this, but I do believe he's definitely earned this. He's probably the best CEO in that space. But that if you look at that golden parachute number that we keep talking about, if he's going to cash out relatively soon, maybe he'll retire in five years. I don't know who succeeds him at JP Morgan. And when I look at the overall landscape, I don't see any other great banking executives. At one point, financial services and banking had a ton of amazing CEOs. I think Brian Moynihan is good, but I think... He isn't as great as Jamie. I couldn't tell you five other CEOs that are incredible. So it's kind of like the end of the era. Um, this will make me a lot more concerned in the banking industry overall. Of course, he's earned it. I think he's been the best of breed when it comes to banking. But when the best player leaves and you don't have a Steph Curry of banking, a Zion, it's tough. Meanwhile, all of the smaller banks have been collapsing and been acquired. Mm -hmm. I think he is exiting at the right time when the world is in turmoil. But please keep your eye on how many CEOs are leaving or taking grand compensation packages at this time. I would definitely this, be concerned. This this feels like 2021 when we were talking about CEOs selling shares of their company. We saw yep. Elon do it. We saw Tim Cook do it. And we saw what relatively what happened six months after when there was a pullback in tech. I think the timing of it, uh, makes sense for him. I, I would. I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm too concerned with uh, JP stock in the sense that last quarter, you know, they reported an increase in 35. percent And Ian, you just brought up the yeah, small the banks. <laughs> yeah, you, you brought up the small banks closing, but guess who was acquiring their customers? Yeah, JP Morgan. JP. Um, and so yep. I, I didn't. I don't take too much concern with it. If you look over the history, he took over in 2006. So for about 18 years, this is the first time ever that he's ever sold stock. 
And so that might sound like something that's alarming, but when you look at the history, you can actually, and this is why doing the research is important. When you go to the analytics and you look about look at the company and who has how many shares, his family owns almost 9 million shares. Yeah. So even if they sold a million shares, you still got 8 million shares. You're well-vested in, inside of the company. So I'm not sure that what it means to JP stock, uh, what it means for the overall banking sector, it's cause for concern. We'll, we'll see if it's there's more, C, more CEOs who follow that trend of selling shares. Because like I said, we've seen this happen in 2021 inside of the tech space, financial services and banking. Uh, if we start seeing that trend, that probably gives us a sign that there's going to be some turmoil, maybe some downturn in that sector. So I would watch it for that standpoint. Yeah, I agree. And hands down, number one bank. I think he's the number one executive in banking. Um, the stock could be fine. I am worried about the overall banking sector, though, especially with inflation going up. And there's no amazing leadership. Even if we ask everyone in the audience tonight, name me five other incredible banking CEOs. It's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. So, um, but yeah. he definitely deserves this. If anyone deserves this compensation, it's him. And you yeah. can argue he's underpaid. Yeah, look at the numbers. The stats are on the board, right? If we look at just the numbers, when he took over in 2006, uh, JP Morgan was uh, managing nearly a trillion dollars in assets. They are now managing 3.2 trillion. You tripled yep. the amount of money that is being managed. Market, and the market cap is now over 410 uh, billion. So we're talking about the overall number of how much you're managing and what the, the company is now worth. He's done a tremendous job. And if you if you watched the financial sector since 2006, especially during that that time of, of uh, the real estate crash and how the banks were collapsing, the role that he played in it, you're right. He, he might be one of those CEOs that is underbid. Absolutely. If you look at what he's done for the bank, and we're talking about since 2006 to 2008, especially when the housing market crashed and the banks were crashing, this guy was the one who came up with the solution, right? When you got everybody Absolutely. in the room and said, you're the person that can help us get out of this. And he he did. I mean, you, you talk about somebody being underpaid in the space. He probably is the person. If we're talking about all CEOs, especially in, in the banking sector, but just over the overall market, he's probably one of the most important CEOs in the U.S. economy. No, I agree a thousand percent, especially at a time when banks were not trusted, being vilified left and right. He kind of brought a little bit of peace in that space. Well, we don't have the same concerns about banking that we did in 07, 08, 09. He has to get a lot of credit uh, for that. Let's talk about the market. The Magnificent Seven yes. falls 29.3% from their highest highs. And uh, Michael Burry had 40,000 put options, and it all panned out to be pretty profitable for him. So we talked about that before, a couple months ago, when he had those put options. And um, looks like he made a lot of money from uh, betting that the market would uh, have a downturn, especially on the tech side. Um, so... What's the best way to hedge and be profitable in any market? What can we learn from this situation? Um, I think a couple of good lessons. Number one, anytime we hit an all-time high, the market is usually going to fall back 5 to 10%. Like, I don't know why everyone's freaking out about this news. Like, since August, we've been coming down. We know, historically, September is the worst month for the market. So if you're going to set up your shorts, ideally, you want to set them up in August. Go to profit in September, probably take profit in October. Um, on a future side, if you're shorting the NASDAQ or the S&P 500, the ES, that's a good way you can hedge. If you're into options, you can do what Michael did. Michael is often 
early in timing, but he's usually right in his prediction. I remember when he got all those contracts, everyone was like, he doesn't know. And he got lucky from one big short in 07. I'm like, clearly you don't know investing or don't know his track record. He may be in early to a trade, but no, more than often he is right. So while you're continuing to buy Apple, Microsoft, Google, Meta long-term, if you see that there's going to be a reversal of fortune, the same ones that you're going long in in another portfolio, you should short. In Chicago, uh, Troy gave you all a hell of a gem on how to do so. We're going to leave it for Chicago. But the same ones that you're trading or investing in long-term should be the ones that you're shorting as well so you can offset those losses. You shouldn't be afraid of a market drop. You should learn how to take advantage of them because that's really the way you play the game. Most yeah. great investors are not going to be down for long in any portfolio because they're hedging when the market is going down. I think uh, what you're saying is spot on, Ian. Um, the timing is important, right? And so, like, yeah. if we look from a historical standpoint, like we've said this over and over, we've said September, October, we're going to see a pullback, especially in tech. We've seen it consistently over the past three years that that has happened. Well, we've yeah. also seen, and I would be interested to see when he sold these contracts, right, to make a profit, because we know typically November, December are months and historically yeah. we can look at it over the past 60 years that we're going to see a one to two percent increase or appreciation across the all indexes specifically the dow the nasdaq and the s p and so the timing is important and so i want people especially if you're the person that's you know listening to michael burry who's a, a brilliant guy to make sure that your timing is right but what you're also saying is important how do you hedge it yeah right? and so if i'm invested in nvidia and everybody that was in chicago you saw this. If I'm investing in NVIDIA at a 400 strike price, then I'm also going to say, all right, if I see a pullback, I need to know what that percentage is that I'm going to invest in again. So whether that's a 10% pullback, time. 20, 30% or 40% pullback, all right, I need to know what that number is. And if it gets to that number, if this is a company that I'm invested in, not only on the equity side, meaning that I have shares, but I'm also having options or whatever else you're doing, be consistent with the company. But hedge yep. it, right? I'm not going to say, all right, wait, it's losing money. I should just watch it lose money. No, I'm going to actually enter the position at another place or another point so that when I know that eventually the market will turn around, especially like we just said, historically, November, December, we're seeing that happen or we've seen that happen. This is a time where if I had that lower placement or that hedge, it's going to increase at the same time that my original uh, contracts increase. So it's a strategy. Yes. But the, the timing is important. So please understand timing when 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 you're investing or seasonal time, especially from historical, historical standpoints. The information isn't hidden. They've been like, if you get the almanac or you read any major publication, they've been screaming for 40 years. September is one of the worst months short in your short term portfolio <laughs> and buy in your long term. Like if they tell you historically, this is the worst time they're telling you what to do. Even Friday, the Dow implied open was negative 99. I told us the stock club yesterday. You can take that target and usually double it. So if the implied open is 99, what should your target be if you're shorting the Dow? Same. If you go long, if the implied open for the Dow is plus 99, you can normally double that target to know where to go. The information is not hidden. I know there's like uh, all these Internet conspiracies about they hide real order volume and, and volume flow. And like, bro, if you just listen to the information that is given to you, you can profit a hell of a lot. It's really not that hard. And especially if you're holding off for a five or 10 year period, you don't have that much to worry about. Okay. And you don't have to choose too many positions. That's another thing. You don't have to choose too many. And, and that's something that we've been saying for the past two years is 
there might be five to ten that we're looking at. Yes. Maybe twelve if if we take in some of the, some of the healthcare positions that Ian talks about. That's it. You right, you got your magnificent seven, and then we got some of the healthcare ones, and maybe a few semis. And it's like, all right, well, if these are the ones that I'm looking at, and I'm just speaking for me, then I'm staying consistent with those. I'm gonna I'm gonna know yeah. those. Like I know everything that I see, right? Like I, I need to master this. And so those are the companies I'm looking at. Yeah, there will be companies that will will come about and will pique your interest, but make sure you stay disciplined and focus on the ones that you actually know. Sexy but red may rotate her options every week. <laughs> I don't want y'all to be sexy red, skied anyway, but I want y'all to stay true and stay loyal. Do Sierra's prayer over your portfolio and stick with the same one. Please. Shout out to sexy red. Shout out to sexy red. Shout out to sexy red. <laughs> well, your portfolio is going to be a sexy red. You keep playing if you want to. Uh-uh. <laughs> so what's the, um, what's the biggest lesson you have learned in the last five years in the market? Uh, um, the price of where you decide to buy something is most important. Like arm is in trouble. Snowflake is in trouble. Even on a venture capital side, they're talking about cutting evaluation of some of the companies by 50%. If you were a late stage investor, you are crapping your pants right now, but all of that goes away. If you buy at the right price, um, Troy was having a conversation about some things he had to purchase recently, before we came like everything comes down to did you buy at the right price or did you miss and pay late and end up paying a premium even when people are saying hey apple's down meta's down which meta had a hell of a rebound this year if you bought it last year you're not complaining i see too many investors and too many traders who want to get rich off buying at the wrong price this is how life works i know we're in a way more sensitive area of life now but if you buy at the wrong price you are going to pay if you're not consistent in your work, you're going to pay. I saw the reaction when, when your post went up from CNBC. You need 10 million. Oh, y'all out of touch. We've been telling you. <laughs> you think all these NBA players are making 26 million a year just because the owners want to give them that? No, that's the threshold that you need to pay to be rich. I came in 2020. You need 28 million to be safe. Oh, you're crazy. Okay. We'll see. Some of the ones that are not making what they say end up clipping and putting people names in videos because they need some traction. If you actually help some people, ta, you wouldn't need to do it. Hey, if he had as many S&P shares as he proclaims and you paid your staff better, like why the ones who always never pay well want to talk to them anyway? So, yeah, for those of you who are saying that Meta's down, <laughs> Meta's up 79% this year. Up 79%. Buy at the right price. Yeah. That is NVIDIA is another company that we talk about a lot. I mean, gave y'all a home run fast right over the plate. It's up 200, but the stock is up 200% this year. Yes. So, what is the option up? Well, it depends. Some of y'all need to be also down, but it's down. NVIDIA has been down since it made its high. That's important to note. So, it's it's been down since it's made its high. So, a lot of people got in um, and they're actually negative on the NVIDIA's position. They should have listened to Market Mondays. What's the price for not paying attention to the information? That's important, right? But even like at its low, right? And that's that's one of those strategies when we're looking and trading, like higher highs and higher lows, right? Even mm-hmm. when it goes up to its high, it hasn't pulled back to a point of support or support yet. So, yes, it, it, the timing of when you got into the, the position, but we're talking about last year when we looked at the Nasdaq and it was down twenty nine percent. The entire index was, was down twenty nine percent. You saw Nvidia at one hundred and sixty dollars. 
right? Like yep. it hasn't gone under 400 yet. I'm waiting, but it hasn't gone under 400 yet. Um, so it's, it's just about the timing of it, but it also takes patience. I think that's one of those things. And I don't know if you finished about some of the things you've learned over the past five years is that it takes patience and it, it really requires a seatbelt mentality. Like, all right, I've done the homework. I'm putting my seatbelt on. I'm trusting my research. I'm trusting what I've heard. And I'm trusting my instincts when it comes to this. And you know, I mean, it's something that you'll learn throughout the process. Yeah. And also once something triples, that's not the time to buy it. We talked about it before. If something's up 300%, you have to wait for it to pull back. I know you're going to be upset and you, we all have FOMO. There's other things that we all have missed out on. You can't chase it at the wrong price because yeah. it's going to take you too long to get in a profit. If you do, um, I told everybody, as soon as uh, Nvidia hit that high, Hey, if you can't afford it, take profit at 496, get out and enjoy for everyone else. Hold on and continue to add because the number of shares that you have matters more than anything. I think too many people want to have a great entry and great exit to post it on social. And it's like, but you have five shares. <laughs> the difference is to make like you need to have enough shares that it's going to impact your life and the lives of your family, like positively for a few years, not just, you know, for clout to post on IG or post on TikTok. So buy at the right price. That's my biggest lesson. But what about you guys? Yeah, no, definitely buy at the right price, diversify. Um, individual stocks are always going to be more riskier than ETFs. So take that into consideration as well. Um, mm -hmm. And um, dollar cost average. Yep. That's it's also simple. That'll help you. Just instead, of trying to, instead of trying to time the market, you can dollar cost average and just don't worry about the timing. You just put money in consistently no matter what, whether it's high, whether it's low. And then yeah. it'll just average it'll average out over the course of time. So that's a that's a strategic way to, to actually start investing, especially with smaller amounts of money. You know, put 300, 200, whatever you can afford to put into the market every single month. And don't even worry about it. And just, you know, do that consistently over the course of time. And that usually will make out better as opposed to trying to have a lump sum of money put in at one particular time. Ian, what, yeah. what do you think the number of shares in terms of people who are beginners in the world of investing, is it 10 or is it case by case, right? Depending on your threshold for investing. Is there a number? Is it a thousand? Is it 10,000? How many to shares? Get to, to feel comfortable? To feel comfortable. A minimum of a thousand. I've always said you need 10,000 to get to a point of freedom, but the first goal should be a thousand. For everyone who says they don't have money, I see them all under your post. You make time to make your park car payment. You make time for OnlyFans, Applebee's and Cheesecake Factory, STK, Balenciaga, Nike. I don't want to hear it. Where you deploy your capital will determine your level of happiness. I'm going to touch on this point one more time and leave. Everyone that I hear say something negative to, is that bag a little bit shaky or not? Things don't look like as good as they should be. I've seen y'all pass up a bunch of people real fast. Now they're getting intimidated. That bag ain't hitting. I told you when old boy had his wife about to do another video with seven people now. Seen that. Yeah, I saw that. It wasn't enough the first time. Oh, seven. I hurt my heart. I don't even know her. What, what they call that in the in that world? Seven. That's a that's Bang Bros. What's that? P pretty much. That that's an exotic Amtrak. <laughs> <laughs> if the business goes so bad, you got to put you a. Hey, but, you know, shout out to Flacco, shout out to Adam, everybody else. But if you do good business, you want to worry about these things. 
That's all I'm going to say, man. Midnight. You have to pick where you deploy your capital if you want freedom or not. Otherwise, you're going to have to do this cloud chasing BS to help get the bag up. So, Sorry. a thousand shares. Minimum. So, um, let's do it. I know we got a guest coming on. You good, doing good, staying out the way. Um, yeah, I might, you know, like I said, and some, some, it ain't worth responding to. Um, yeah, might, it just depends on, on, but you know, I How you feel feeling? like, um, they got to be an even, an even weight class. So, when you look at like, you know, people that like that, they interview 80s RB singers and like X drug dealers that told on themselves and like ex gangbangers like that's like the highlight I and mean, when we had we had nine billionaires so it's kind of you know what i'm saying like you you, kinda, you can't fight like that like you can't <laughs> you gotta have a same level of weight class like you know what i'm saying like you've been at 15 you've been at five smart no i could divide i could divide shout out to smoke i could divide like you know what i'm saying i could divide bro like you know what i'm saying it's not even it's not even comparable but um Mm. Talking about me, really talking through you. Might have some smoke for bro later. I don't know. It just depends. Oh, but I want to talk about um before we bring our guest on three levels of wealth. Yeah. So uh it was actually interesting timing because we did the article with CNBC a couple weeks ago, but it came out a few days after you posted what you posted. So you posted yeah. something that got a lot of traction on social media. And then a few days later, CNBC dropped the article with us when I said that I thought that 10 million was the number for financial freedom. I believe your number was higher than that. So, yeah. you know, it's, 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 um, it, it, it uh, the crazy thing is I put it on Instagram and then the people was like, well, this lacks context. I'm like, well, that's the point of reading the article. Um, yeah. but you know, people don't read. So we will provide some context here if, <laughs> if people are interested. So what's, what's your, <laughs> what's your three levels of wealth situation? Um, the video was very simple. Like if you're between, it, it was a scale. So if you in the level of one to ten, you were uh, essentially deemed poor, according to the lady in the video. If you were ten to twenty, you were middle class, and if you were twenty-one to thirty, you were wealthy. And the thing that I took away from the video is that those that are in the poor working class, they use their labor to generate cash. The system is designed by purpose. The middle class uses their ideas to generate money, and then the wealthy use derivatives. To generate with their wealth and they make money off the backs of both. So derivatives would be like a crypto exchange, a stockbroker exchange, even stocks. If you look at what the formation of like owning other parts of a company, you're not doing anything really labor intensive to generate that capital. Yes, you have to go through the IPO cycle, but it's just different levels. Like when I first came on, I said you needed 28 million and everyone had an uproar. But I was talking to people who helped make some of these rules for how much people get paid and how much is deemed worthy. I keep saying, as soon as we got into Turo, Airbnb, real estate stocks, inflation went up and it drove down the value of our dollar. So you need a certain amount of money to be safe. I know for those of you who may hear these numbers, you may be like, man, I don't even have a hundred thousand yet. Use it as inspiration. That's what we all did. When I was seeing people making 30 million a year, like when each one, kudos, shout to each one from my hometown. When he went to the league, I was so excited to see somebody from my hometown make that kind of money. And when KK went to the Panthers, I was like, yo, if somebody from the Harbor can do this, I know I can do it. Don't let the numbers dismay you or dissuade you from trying to achieve your goals. Use it as motivation to get. But yeah, I agree. You need at least 10 million to hit a point of freedom if you want to be able to take care of your children, your wife, 
other family members help be a good steward in your community, it takes a lot more money than ever. I keep I can't find a used car for 10 grand right now. I'm actively looking just to see how much they've changed the used car market in two years. A I was talking to this morning. A Honda Accord costs 30 grand used. Damn. A Honda Accord. What? So if you go get a C class, S class, G Wag, like they're driving these costs up to make up for what they lost during the pandemic. The game's not going to be fair. Inflation is always going to go up. And this is why you need more. And this is why you need to invest in the market so you can outpace inflation. So those are the three levels that are really key. Yeah. And notice that what, what's happening. I, I'm glad you brought up the car market because I was, you know, shopping for cars. It during the pandemic and years after the first year after it was there was a shortage. Right. Mm-hmm. It was a supply chain thing. We couldn't get the technology. We couldn't get the semis in. And, and so you started getting cars without power windows, cars without power seats. Some of the functions mm-hmm. inside weren't there. And now that's not the issue. But now okay. you have rates that aren't going down for the near future. And so yeah. businesses are going to find ways to make sure that they their win is built in at any cost. At all costs. At any yeah. like, And the person that is going to uh, be put at sacrifice of it is going to be the customer. So, absolutely. When when you go into these situations, just know that. And and if you're building a business, know that. Right? These are these are lessons. Right? We're talking about even at a seven fifty. Actually, my credit was like seven ninety five, and the rate it was. I mean, the rate is what it is. It's seven percent. It's seven point five. I'm like, wow. The person that has a six fifty, what are they getting? Trouble. Ten percent. Right. Yeah. You're talking about people that are financing cars five years. So it's going to, I mean, ref, I don't know how many people are into refinancing cars. I mean, you can do it, but not many people do do it. Not many people do it. And I think yeah. the highest you can charge for a car is what, 16%? That's insane. That's insane. That's, that's a lot. That's, that's, that's insane. Five years. Like, that's the, it adds up. And then she's going to tell you, no, we ain't going to cheesecake. Oh, inflation on the dates. We gotta talk about now. Why is she taking this bad rap though, bro? But I want to talk about this 10 million thing if we can. Before, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people uh didn't fully understand it. So when we did the uh, the interview with CNBC and the reporter asked us what do we think the number was for financial freedom? And I said that I thought, you know, depending on a variety of different factors, where you live, but if you live in a major urban environment or a suburban environment, close to an urban environment, East Coast, West Coast scenario, um, you would probably need um, $10 million to have financial freedom. And then he responded back and he said, well, do you think that this is realistic for um, most people? And I, I said, no, it's not. But you asked me a question, so I'm just going to be honest with the answer that I'm giving you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the whole point of we're big on entrepreneurship, we're big on investing, we're big on understanding. So, yeah, the average person is not going to reach $10 million in investable assets. But if you're on a pathway to work towards that, you might reach a million. You you might reach 1.5 million. You might reach 900,000. Guess what? That's better at 70 years old. Than having twenty thousand dollars, you're not going to be you able said to that fly, hit that at the park. Yep. Yeah, you're not going to be able to fly private around the world, but you're going to be in a better situation. See, a lot of people never actually did this for a living. I actually did this for a living for twelve years, so I know what it is to see somebody who's sixty-eight years old with fifty thousand dollars 
coming into your office asking you, what can I do? And you got to be the person to tell them nothing. I can't that's, do anything. This, this is, do. But you never had most, all these people on social media that's yeah. commenting on this, they never had that conversation. Also, these people on social media that are saying like, well, I only need one million and I'm going to be fine. Well, that's great. But the vast majority of people have never made one million. Let me tell you something. One million dollars is a scary. This is a scary number. From yes. one to three million is, is actually extremely scary because when you're below a million, you, you don't really care. It's like you're just hustling and you don't really have nothing to lose. But when you get to a million dollars, you realize that you're technically, quote unquote, rich, especially where we come from. But yeah. you're a few steps away from being broke. And rich broke. Dr. Duval. Yep. No, it's actually extremely scary. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you end up losing sleep about it because it's like nobody wants to be the person that is seen as a failure, somebody that lost everything. So now you're, you're kind of walking on eggshells because you know that that's not enough. Right. But you're a millionaire. So you already beat the odds, but you'll never experience that until you actually experience it. This is when we talked yep. to Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban told us like, nah, a million dollars. I'll be scared if I if I if I was a I'd, be, I'd be scared. Yeah. This, what, what about what Ross? What number did Ross say? If he had it, he would be terrified. Ten. He, he said, said 10. 10. He said at least at you said you 10, he's scared. But I just want to I just want to finish this. So the whole I'm gonna add, I want to add context to I, your, I just want to just finish the whole thing. But so yeah. when I'm saying financial freedom is I'm not what I'm saying is the ability to live off of your investments, to be able to do whatever you want to do to stop today. Now, of mm -hmm. course, that's that's different for different people, but it's not meant to discourage people. It's meant to tell the truth. So yeah. if we're in an environment where inflation is at record-breaking highs, right? The dollar's losing value all the time. Um, we understand that housing prices just continues to go up no matter what happens in the economy. The price of education, nobody talks about the price of education. Oh inflation. my God. You yes. want to talk about spending $200 to go to InvestFest. How about spending $75,000 to go to a school that you can't get a degree from, that you can't well, get a job from after you get a liberal arts degree? For one year. Or 20000 so, in high school. Yes. So when... I mean, do you want me to lie to you? Or do you want me to tell you the truth? Because I can lie to you, but that's not going to be beneficial. So that it's it's outcries and outrage on social media. Well, it's 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 not beneficial because me just sugarcoating something. Like I've actually seen the inner workings of it. I've seen that a million dollars is not enough. I've seen yeah. people with twenty thousand dollars. I've seen people with ten million. I've seen billionaires. I've saw every different level and have conversations with people at every different level. So to be completely honest with you, I'm kind of lowballing it at 10 million. If we want to get to the honors <laughs> number, to, to be completely 60, honest, I, wanna, I just want to use 10 million because I'm, I'm going to show you the level of consistency. And this was really a kudos to you. At 20, at 18, my only goal was to have a six figure job in life. Like I was like, yeah. I make six figures because I hadn't seen anybody do it. When I was 26, and at this point, you had just started uh, your career in financial advising. You sat me down. I got my life insurance. And I asked you the number. And the number you told me when I was 26, so that means you were 24, you told me it was $10 million. Yeah. I said, why? why? Why is it 10 million? This is, at, this is 15 years ago. I said, why, why are you saying 10 million? You were like, look, if you can make 10 million, we can put it in a fund, a mutual fund, and that can garnish you 3%. On the conservative end, Muni, Muni bond, Muni bond, right? Yep. And you're like, look, you can garnish three percent. So if you get three percent, you don't even, you're not even doing anything. But if you can put, make three percent, you've made three hundred thousand. So if you're looking at a hundred thousand as a thing that you were making in, as a teacher, now imagine that you have additional two hundred thousand on that. You can't live off three hundred thousand. 
And at that moment, I was like, yo, it's got to be 10 million. It's, it's got to be 10 more. million. And it's, but it, I mean, I'm just saying at that point, and this is 15 years yeah. ago, I'm like, all right, this makes sense. And so it was like, how do I get to the 10 million so that I can live with a conservative 3% to, to garnish 300,000 just by investing? I'm like, oh, wait, that makes perfect sense. So 10 million was my number. But then again, when it, we sat down, I said it could be eight figures, it could be seven figures. It just depends on your threshold and, and where you're at and what your leisure is, like what your freedom is. Um, but it's going to change for everybody. But it gives context because when the word, when you said 10 million during the interview, and then when I read the article again, it made me think back to that moment. Yeah. But 10 million was the number then. It was it was a number then. Listen, you can either get the truth or we can gatekeep. We're going to choose to tell the truth. I, I told y'all two years ago, or no, a year ago, when we met with Kyrie. Kyrie's like, I don't have enough money for my tribe. I'm like, it's public record what you make. It's not enough for me and all of my family I'm going to take care of. That's when I said, oh, shit, let me really get to work. If he's concerned, and at the time he was, what, top 10 in pay, how can you rest on your laurels and be like, I'm good? And we've also seen some people be up, up, and then it comes down because they get comfortable. We're going to tell you the truth at all costs. And I know it may be scary, but like I said, use that number as motivation to find a way to get there. Or you're gonna to have to pay the penalty when you get older. And if you have twenty thousand dollars in your in your elder years, I've seen this happen with my grandmother. The healthcare system is gonna find a way to claw a hundred thousand at a time out of you with surgery and prescription medications. I know a bunch of people right now that's paying a thousand dollars a month for a prescription they really can't afford. Then you have surgery; insurance doesn't cover all of it. Now you got to pay thirty, forty grand out of pocket. Trust me, at every level of life and wealth, they're gonna find a way to get money out of you. Please take the information and apply it and don't be outraged at it because the outrage doesn't help any at all. And then uh, the last thing I'll say before we bring on our guests is that we, we, we're we not going to be revisionists here. We're not going to rewrite history. I did see some comments like, well, nobody ever tells us how to get there. We're not going to act like Earn Your Leisure has not been around for five years. Market Mondays has been around for three and a half, four years, where we provide weekly information on Market Mondays, yes. how to start investing into the stock market, how to invest in ETFs, how to invest in index funds, how to invest in stock options, how to pick tech stocks, how to do all this stuff. And we're not going to act like we didn't have a million and one episodes on real estate, on credit, on Airbnb business, on drop vending machines, anything that you can really think of. <laughs> only thing y'all didn't cover was OnlyFans. Y'all covered everything else. Like, bro, come on, if man. You, if you haven't received the information yet, it's because you're not interested in in in. You're not interested. So, what we can't do, what we're not going to do, is is rewrite history and play the victim. Yep. You'll never say that you wasn't provided the information. Now, you can say that you didn't act on the information for whatever reason. You can say that you you dis regarded the information you didn't you didn't take the information serious or you listen to the wrong people yeah but we're not going to sit here and say that information is not and it's still currently being provided for you for, for free hello hello so <laughs> hello i get All the right. most complaints about charging on monday when we do the show for free every monday hello make it make sense yeah. and vladimir that's that's the one thing. That's the one thing. Cause let's get to it. No, 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 no. no, no, no. We're gonna get no, to it. No, no. How are you going? Well, I'm gonna talk about just one thing because he was like, oh, "Well, oh, you know, oh. they they charge for information." His people that's similar to him have a history of trying to rewrite history. 
especially when it comes to black people. So we're not going to let Vladimir rewrite history. Vladimir, if you're not familiar with the platform, we have put out more free information than anybody in probably recorded history when it comes to investing, financial literacy, and like real details, no motivation, inspiration, actual steps, how to. This is why people in the comments didn't even respect what you said because it's not even factually true. So if you are going to critique something, then it has to actually be true outside of just you're just repeating narratives that you just heard over and over again. So to say like we gatekeeping information, that's stupid. You're talking about you gave information to little baby, little bibby. We give information. Call Charlemagne and ask what I did. <laughs> like you told what me are we talking about? How is giving how is freeing Larry Hoover a black? <laughs> that's, that's how far we go. And you ain't well, sent no money to Larry. No, no, no. First, before we do that, I want to give a shout out to Act for that moment. We got to shout out to Act because he stopped. Oh, no, I mean, he, he did he, the right thing. He did the right sure. thing. He, he held he his did. composure. He exactly. But let's talk about this after because I want. Yeah, I do want to bring yeah, our yeah, guests but just shout out to Act. For that I moment. just want to say Vladimir. We're not done with you. We're not done with them. We're not. We're, we're not. Done. We're not. Gonna, we got something we're not going to let the Vladimirs of the world rewrite because I do know the Vladimir Tenev. He's a billionaire. The real Vlad. The real Vlad. <laughs> yes, he's a billionaire. Man, we'll call Putin too. Quit playing. On a star. You never. Point. It's funny till it's not. It's funny till it's not. It is okay. funny till it's not. Okay. Can you can you introduce our guest, please? Oh man, I, I can, let's bring him up. Let's bring him up. I didn't want to have to have him endure the nonsense. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm always going on, brother. What's good? What's good, fellas? So good, I, good I, I want to I want to introduce you the right way um, because it's very important, and you're very important. Uh, we met uh, a few months ago through a mutual friend, and you introduced as this, a, 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 one of the most brilliant minds in the world, and a guy who worked at Nvidia. But the story is so much deeper than that. You are the world's leading artificial intelligence scientist. Did I get this correct? Uh, you know. Okay, so I did get it correct, and we're going. We're actually going to stand on that, and I think yeah. it's important that you're here today uh, because I want the people to see what brilliance looks like. I want them to see what intelligence looks like, but I was also want them to see the capabilities of what we can do inside of the world of technology, specifically in artificial intelligence, and so. Yes, you started at, uh, you were at NVIDIA. I know right now that you are working with the Jeff Bezos Foundation as the lead scientist for AI. When you talk about a person in this world who's actually sat with uh, Jensen and sat down with Jeff, there are few and far between. Um, and definitely not many people that look like us. So I wanted to welcome you to, to Market Monies outside of just having great conversations with you. I know Ian and I had some conversations with you. Yeah. I wanted you to welcome you to our audience so they can get some of the brilliance that I've been able and have privileged to, to have over the past couple of months. So welcome to Market Mondays, my brother. We are, we are happy to have you. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. My, um, um, I was at InvestFest, man, mind blown. So I got a, a small snippet of your audience and, and the community that you guys have been building. It's absolutely- um, And you, you, you spoke at InvestFest, right? Yeah. That's right. So, so we don't just have celebrities that just <laughs> talk about motivation. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Uh, the world's leading scientist <laughs> in artificial intelligence. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about this. Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. So you were working at, I think when we first met, you were working at N NVIDIA, right? Yeah. What were you doing at NVIDIA? So my title was uh, senior principal scientist, um, primarily. So 
Prior to joining NVIDIA, um, I was the chief analytics officer for the uh, city of New York. So I really did a lot of my data and AI work in the urban space within city and uh, uh, environments. And so I got to reach out from Jensen um, and said, hey, look, we want to bring your skill sets into NVIDIA. So a lot of uh, my focus at NVIDIA was on how we use AI and supercompute in cities to solve a lot of the complex intractable uh, challenges in cities. Um, NVIDIA, now if you want to think about from a product uh, perspective, there's two products at NVIDIA that primarily functioned with. And so you have the NVIDIA Supercompute, which they refer to as Superpods, um, as the base infrastructure, but then it was two products. One was Rapids, uh, which was like um, uh, an advanced data science platform and AI platform. And then the other is more well-known, which is Omniverse, which is their digital twin technology where they do physics-based um, 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 simulations and, and 3D viewing of anything in the world. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I primarily functioned in that space, worked with cities globally, um, worked with urban environments globally uh, to implement uh, AI and supercomputer. All right, so I mean... I know you started at Motorola uh, and then you were at NVIDIA, but you're not there anymore. And one of the conversations we had was about the correlation between college athletics in the world of tech and the sense of when you're really good at something, people are always trying to find you as the next talent. Can you explain that to the audience of, of how the tech world has a correlation to college sports? Yeah, I think there's two. Uh, no, that's uh, such a great question. I think there's two ways you want to look at that. First one is in Silicon Valley, and I spent um, time not only with NVIDIA, but at a startup engaging in and around Silicon Valley. In Silicon Valley, they don't, if you're at a company, if you're a tech um, genius, giant, um, even halfway decent at Silicon Valley, if you stay at a company more than two years, you basically are seen as somebody who's garbage, like passe, mm. because they're constantly looking for the best of the best, and they will do anything to pull you from one company to another. You've seen it in biopics, whether it's the WeWork biopic or Uber's biopic. Success of a company is taking the best talent from other companies and bringing it to your companies, and oftentimes it causes drama um, um, because you know um, they got to do backhanded deals and so on and so forth. But they're always looking for the top company, so you're always looking um, to be the best. And, and uh, the other way I would. Um, put it. And so I spent um, a couple of years, I was faculty at um, uh, Johns Hopkins, research scientist at Johns Hopkins for a while. And I spent two years um, teaching it, uh, in Hong Kong at Hong Kong University of Science and Technology. And I used to, when I was faculty there, I used to go around and um, go to a lot of the tech companies. And one of the CEOs of the tech company was like, yo, I, you know, we recruit some of the top scientists from around the world um, to come and work. For our company but what we do is i said well how difficult is that he said well it's not that difficult because they're all seventh and eighth graders so what they do is they actually begin scouting you the same way you think about aau it is the same way they think about scientists they start at seventh and eighth grade and they start grooming you to come to china and what they do is they put you into their universities and then um the pipeline is right into their companies and his thing is like look we bring the best of the best over and we start looking at them and we go to science fairs at seven, seventh and eighth grade. And we bring them over. If they don't come to our company, they still are what's referred to as friendly alumni to the universities in, in China. 
And so it's like it's a win-win for China in general in terms of bringing the intellectual capital over. But they treat it, they treat um, uh, science and scientists the same way we treat uh, sports players. And I got one more anecdote. So when I was at Hong Kong, so I was at Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, one of the most beautiful college campuses in the world. And they have this dope uh, soccer field um, that almost looks like it's sliding off into the, um, into the water. And we used to go and play soccer all the time, uh, basketball, football, whatever, but mostly, mostly football, soccer. And there was one dude that was nice. Like, I'm, I've rarely seen football players like that. He was nice, nice. And he was in my class. And I went up and I was like, yo, do you play for the national um, um, soccer team? He was like, football team. He was like, nah, because in my family and in my culture, it's actually more honorable to be a computer scientist than to play sports. So he was like, I'm actually winning more that I'm a computer science major at college than I would if I played sports in the national national team. So there's there's a lot of similarities there. For those who are aspiring to go on your path, NVIDIA has been one of my favorite stocks for the last few years, but it's really taken <laughs> off this past year. Um, for those of us that, that are black and brown that want to make it into these tech power players, what would be your process if you have to start over now for how to break into an NVIDIA and Apple, Microsoft, Bezos Foundation, what tips can you give us to help break into those uh, landscapes that we are not often seen in? Man, um, I don't know if my tips would be helpful, but I can share some of what I think. But that's such a great question. Um, for me, my focus was always on the math of it all, the science of it all. Um, oftentimes what I've seen, and I went to all HBCUs, I went to Lincoln University undergrad, Morgan, uh, Howard University for my master's and Morgan State for my doctorate. And I stayed at all HBCUs, um, but what I saw was a lot of my friends and colleagues, they would come in and, and within the first couple of classes, shift out of the computer science realm into like business information systems or project management, um, those sort of non-math intensive, computational mathematics intensive programs. Um, companies like Motorola, when I was at Motorola, I was at Motorola Lab, so I was a research scientist there. Um, my primary research over there was uh, when Bluetooth was being invented, I was a part of that team. I had um, three patents there. Um, it wasn't just me. Um, it was a group of us and we all got our names on those, those patent disclosures. Um, but, uh, the reason why, uh, I was able to go to Motorola labs, which is the research arm of Motorola and work on the projects that I did was because I had a math background. And so staying strong in the math background. And I never went, I ne literally at the Bezos Earth Fund, um, is the least technical that I've ever been in my career. That the reason why um, when so I had an hour long interview, as, as Troy, you mentioned, I, part of my uh, interview process was an hour long one on one interview with Jensen. And one of the things I requested in that interview was I didn't want to be a VP. I didn't want to have the title VP. I wanted to have a technical title because I wanted to remain very technical. Um, and so senior principal scientists at NVIDIA is the technical um, equivalent to a VP at NVIDIA. I was like, I want all the equity that a, that a VP gets, but not, not the title. But I was deliberate in staying in the math and 
lane and in the math space. I, to this day, I still program. I, I, I do a lot of programming with my son and, and some personal projects, but to this day, I still um, focus on computational work. So, all right, so let's get into this. So um, for where are we headed with, with artificial intelligence? Like where, where is this? Is headed. We talked about um, you know a variety of different things in the past, but I want to hear from your perspective as somebody that's doing it and has done it for a while. Um, where are we at right now, as far as like is this the infancy stages, and where where do do you expect it to be in ten years from now? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I think that's such a important question today. Yeah, it's just this morning the White House just released its um, executive order on AI, and um, um, I spent some time, I had, I, I, I saw it uh, prior to, but I spent some time digging through it this past weekend. And, um, you know, it's it's going to challenge um, innovation as most, most regulation tends to do. Um, so I think six months ago to a year ago, um, uh, the trajectory may be different if a lot of these regulations that just came out um, through this executive order, take hold. But that aside, let's 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 assume, which is the case, that federal regulations take a long time to even um, uh, 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 have any impact or effect. But let's answer your question straight away. Um, I think if you look at um, the different domains that are using AI, um, what you're going to wind up seeing are a few domains where it's most impactful and then you'll begin to see some domains where it's least impactful and so domains like health is where you're going to see ai really take off um regulations and everything aside but because those regulations from the health space have been built in um you'll see um it take off there you'll see ai take off in the defense space uh mm -hmm. aerospace um you'll see uh you'll see a lot of ai in the personal um, engagement space that is sort of building out this concept and you guys have talked about it on your shows like this concept of um, sort of your own personal chief of staff your own personal senior advisor your own personal scheduler you're going to see a lot of AI um, in that space what I will say I'll just say two things for sure to your to your to your points sort of ancillary po points to your to, to your statement and your question so why have you know, I, my doctoral dissertation was on artificial intelligence at the time. It was referred to as autonomous agents. Um, AI has been a, around for a long time. Even large language models, language models have been around for decades. This is nothing new. What's the excitement? Um, so to answer your question around trajectory, you have to kind of see, well, what captured uh, the imagination of the world um, at this moment in time? And what captured the imagination from ChatGPT was that what what they figured out and what uh, our friends from OpenAI who then left and went to Anthropic, which you guys have talked a lot about, um, mm -hmm. figured out was. Um, so you guys remember five, 10 years ago where everybody was talking big data, big data. It was like big data was the big fancy word of the day, big data, big data. What we found out then was that um, the more data you pour into an algorithm, you only get incremental at a certain point. It's like the um, um, point of diminishing returns. It only gets, in, your, your solution only gets incrementally better. 
doesn't matter how much more data you pour into an algorithm, it's not gonna uh, have a smarter uh, 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 insight or a smarter solution. What we figured out was that um, if we uh, uh, grew exponentially, doubled, tripled, quadrupled the size of compute, that your answers had a linear correlation, your insights from that model, from that algorithm had a linear correlation to the size of the compute. Meaning if you double the compute, you were twice as likely to have a more accurate prediction. If you quadruple the compute, four X times the accuracy of your predictions. And so hence the AI wars, right? So now you saw everyone, hence why NVIDIA's um, stock skyrocketed because they were like, yeah. We've got to buy up everything because everybody knew the more compute we put. So this, this, this theorem was that the more compute we put, the more accurate our stuff will be. And so what you're going to see, so that's the name of the game, right, is scale. And so what you're going to see is more accurate solutions, more accurate capability beyond ChatGPT. ChatGPT is one sliver of the AI story. That's a chatbot. It's uh, some people refer to it as a stochastic parrot. Um, it's one capability. There's tons of capabilities. Uh, researchers in um, <sighs> Netherlands um, um, uh, for the first time raced, uh, raced drones up upwards of accelerations of 5G for the first time, an all AI drone won, mm. um, won that race, right? And so that is uh, the, the result of accelerated compute and supercompute power being brought to these models. So it's essentially, Rashad, um, it, it's sky's the limit um, right now. The, 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 the prevailing wisdom is the more compute you bring to the table, the smarter whatever it is you're trying to do uh, will be. Yeah, and that could become something dangerous, right? The smarter it becomes, the less we have over control of it. So you brought up the term AI wars. So <laughs> let, let's talk about the AI wars. You, you see these companies, you brought up OpenAI. You know, they've partnered with Microsoft. We've seen Amazon and Anthropic. We see NVIDIA working with all of them. We saw Foxconn. What, where are we with the AI wars? Obviously, there's a geopolitical undertone to it, right, as we see uh, – nvidia being capped of what they could sell to china china putting bans on certain american companies what where are we at what are the solutions are more foundries which are where chips are being created uh the solution in america what what, what are you taking on the landscape yeah that, that's such a big question troy and it's got to be and it's got to be tackled and um so a couple of things uh really in a cheeky fashion i'll say you want to think about this the way you think about, and I'm a, I'm a, I used to, my way back in the day when I was in grad school, I used to have a Hotmail that was an uh, undercover nerd at Hotmail.com. So I'm an undercover nerd. So I love me some Star Wars. So what I will tell you is you want to think about it the way you think about um, uh, uh, the Sith. Um, they come in pairs, right? So you always have the, the master and then you have the, the trainee, if you will, or whatever, right? So the way you want to think about this is, Microsoft paired up with OpenAI. Um, that part of that partnership is we will provide you the compute and the infrastructure for you to do your magic. Right mm -hmm. now, now look at Anthropic. Who's Anthropic's partner? Amazon. Mm 
right? So they said up to $4 billion. They didn't say $4 billion in cash. It was like up to $4 billion of, I, they kept it really nebulous, meaning that they're going to make sure that they have access to their compute because Amazon is now investing um, in building their own GPUs, Inferentium and Tranium, which are relatively um, uh, um, unauthentic, uh, inauthentic uh, titles for their um, uh, GPU chips. Um, and then you have uh, uh, Inflection.ai, which is one of, one that I'm keeping an eye on. It hasn't hit uh, a lot of the buzz that Anthropic and OpenAI has, but keep an eye on Inflection.ai, which is founded by Mustafa Suleiman, who was the founder of uh, Google DeepMind. So remember what I told you at the beginning, you always follow the rock stars where the rock stars go. It's like, remember, remember back in the day when, when Primo, when Premier um, got on a record with somebody, you knew that record was going to be hot, right? That's how you want to think about these rock stars in the AI and the Silicon Valley space, where they go, you follow them because something is happening. So inflection AI is partnered with Google. So one, you want to look at, Follow those par partners. And, and, and what do we know about uh, all of the big brothers in those partners? They all are infrastructure companies, right? And they're all are infrastructure companies. And then Anthropic, OpenAI, and Inflection.ai are all platform companies. So now you're marrying infrastructure and platform. And then you want to think about NVIDIA. NVIDIA is like everybody could, could, could cop. Right. Like we, we, we sell into everybody. Now, folks are going to go on their own at some point. Um, even open AI is really cagey about whether or not they're going to get into the GPU space. And so that goes to your point around the fabs. Right. Um, so where where um, Joe Biden's White House, the administration um, passed the Chips and Science Act a couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half or so ago, which pumped 62 billion into this space. But that's that's a paltry amount compared to what needs to be done for U.S. to step up and really be a player in chip making. Um, but it has it's it's doing its job, which is it's greasing the skids, it's getting the party started. So you're going to see a lot more players jump in from an infrastructure standpoint. And when you have more infrastructure, you're going to have more uh, platform capability as well. So it's right now the Chips and Science Science Act is feeding the frenzy. Um, okay. Uh, the infrastructure entities are feeding the frenzy. And so, you know, we'll sit back and see over the next few months um, who comes out ahead. Uh, who do you think, well, well, tell me what applications do you see in the military and defense space for AI? Because, of course, we have a geopolitical issue with all the wars. But I think one of the areas that's been most underdeveloped at scale has been our defense. Um, what applications do you see there? And what are your thoughts on China's uh, desire to take over Taiwan and capture uh, TSM? <laughs> All right. So a couple, a couple, uh, a couple of things, um, really important things that you mentioned there. So on the defense side, I think where we're struggling right now uh, is on uh, cybersecurity. So remember, we not only have to be on the offensive we have to be on the defensive as well uh, with respects to attacks, right? And so we're creating, uh, we need to create capabilities on both, end, both ends, both to be um, a cybersecurity threat to uh, an adversary, but then protect 
um, uh, 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 home when it comes to cybersecurity. I mean, there is so much space there. Uh, innovation has stymied for a short while, and now with AI, I think there is a lot that can be done and should be done uh, in this space. Um, and so what you'll see in part of the um, the new federal uh, executive order that came out is that there's this hiring strategy that they're implement, implementing, um, not only internally, but from abroad as well, opening it up so that we can um, do better in the uh, uh, cybersecurity and cyber threat space. I think that's the best that I can do. Um, what little bit I do know, um, I'm not sure how much I can share, but um, a lot of that stuff is behind um, uh, close spaces. I think uh, uh, now with respect to China, um, um, I, you know, I, I have to say uh, 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 we're, I'm not thoughtful or smart enough to um, um, comment on that. What I will say is with the Chips and Science Act and with a lot of stuff that America has been doing since the Obama administration and has followed all the way through to now, we are making ourselves less and less independent, uh, less and less dependent on um, Taiwan and TSMC. Okay. Uh, and so and so I think there's, I think as I, the last conversation I had on this with someone that I thought was really thoughtful and smart here, when we were three to five years away um, from really feeling comfortable um, that um, everything would collapse if China did uh, invade Taiwan. But if China were to invade Taiwan tomorrow, um, a lot of a lot of tech companies, a lot of uh, companies, period, in the U.S. would be in a world of hurt. Uh, I think we've been slow uh, uh, to move ourselves out of that dependency, but the urgency is there, and we're, we're ramping up. So, um, let me ask you this: as far as the chips, it's been a shortage of chips. What they said it's been a shortage of chips for a long time. For the average person, can you just explain, like? why are chips so important and why is there such a shortage of chips? Cause it's like, it, it, they could be made. It's not like a, a vegetable that has to grow in the ground. Right. If you could just make, if you can make a chip, why is there shortages of chips? Why don't they just make more chips? Yeah, no, uh, uh, another good question. Like I, um, once I started at NVIDIA, I had spent a lot of time digging into this cause for that same reason, it's like, well, what are the challenges here? So in short, in short, and I can talk to why the chips are so important as well, but in short, um, the reason why these fabs are important and why they're so expensive, one is that they're humongous operations, um, absolutely um, uh, uh, gargantuan efforts, process, uh, 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 structures, and everything in order to um, uh, build chips in the right way. Um, and so, you know, you can't just stand up a fab and then just go next door and then stand up another one. There is a whole lead time and capability there. The second is that Taiwan has that we didn't have and are starting to build is the pipeline of um, uh, intellectual capability and intellectual mm -hmm. capital to work on these chips. So you're right. Rashad, and that a chip is a physical thing and there is a blueprint to building a chip. And we've been doing that for a while. I started my career at Motorola. We've been building chips. Motorola, many don't notice, but Motorola used to be the processor inside of Apple's, 
right? Mm -hmm. So we've been building chips. America has been building chips. But what happened was, I'm showing my age, but when I was at Motorola, we were doing a lot of the chip development here. We moved that abroad because we wanted to, we, we turned our eye, our gaze on other capability on the software side. And so we said, let, let's outsource the hardware side. Let's push that out to, um, and let Taiwan have it. What they wound up building are universities, research institutions, and other capabilities that support chip making. So you have to have the intellectual capital and the intellectual environment. It's just like any large company. No large company just decides to move to a location just because, you know what, it seems like um, there's going to be a nice view out the window, right? They look at what universities are there, what high schools are there, what's the graduation rate across mm -hmm. um, in the pipeline here, because they want um, that talent uh, to be groomed and groomed. What sort of are you just all uh, uh, liberal arts universities or is there are there a lot of tech um, uh, majors in these universities? That's what companies think about. And so when you look at Taiwan, Taiwan has the whole ecosystem. So we have to create the ecosystem from the begin uh, from the bottom up. So it's not just the physical chips, the development. It's also the intellectual capital in order to um, build the best chips and to and to compete. So, I mean, that's kind of one of those things where when we see reports that we see TSM, they're building their foundries in Arizona and it's costing $20 billion. But one of the things that we, that I think you and I discussed and maybe Ian, you were part of that conversation as well is the American companies that are doing it. And so obviously yeah. we see NVIDIA, but we see companies like Global Foundries and having these fabs. So for those not in the know, fabs are where these chips are made, but it's a long process and it's an expensive process. We're talking tens and twenties of billions of dollars to build the factory, which probably takes five to six years, then getting the machinery and then finding the infrastructure that goes inside that. Right. But I want to go back to, you said you were at NVIDIA, and this is one of the things that really stuck with me when we spoke was how many employees, how many black employees were at NVIDIA when you were there? Let's start there. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, um, I'm going to put it like this. Uh, when I when I when I started, there were 17,000 employees at NVIDIA um, globally. When you're talking about African-American, because we have a presence in Africa. Um, but when you're talking about African-American, it was less than 50 at the time that I started. I think it's a little over 100, maybe 120 or so now. Might be a little bit more since I left. Yeah. Last I checked. Um but it was, it was less than 50, far less than 50, like an astonishing number lower than 50. But I, I you know, um, um, I don't want to say an exact number because then someone could refute that exact number. But I'm telling you, it was uh, a bizarre amount uh, yeah. of African-Americans. I, I, I preface that question because it, it speaks to kind of the, you know, we've, we've had these conversations around solutions for the future. And one of them is having us being in the tech world, right? Obviously we're doing yeah. our part as far as finance and many others are helping along the way to get more of us in these fields that you know there's a, a lack thereof. And so I want you to talk about having us really finding our way and finding methods in, in, in studies to be in tech specifically, obviously in AI, which is, which is something of the future, the importance of it. Because there's at one point, I, I, I recall you trying to you're at NVIDIA and trying to give out these supercomputers to New York yeah. City, but you didn't have anybody to give it to because there wasn't anybody that was educated in the space. So talk about that. 
Yeah, no. Um, so I, I, I don't even know where to start with, with your question. It's, it's such a big point and, and, and question mark uh, for our community. Um, but let me start from that point that you ended with, which was, so when I was at NVIDIA, and NVIDIA is like uh, Apple. I mean, they don't give away anything. There's no, <laughs> they don't give nothing away. Um, and that, you know, Jensen never gave money, um, you know, donations. Not, I don't know what he does personally, but I mean, as a NVIDIA, you know, people come and organizations come and say, hey, if you give 50000 you can be a part of this pro- this effort to do blah, 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 blah. It was always like a no. Um, so we never gave anything away. Um, but I had gotten my hands on um, the, 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 we were, um, long story short, I got my hands on four DGXs, which four DGXs uh, it connected together with the right networking environment is a supercomputer, has the capability and the power of a supercomputer. And so I was given the green light to donate that to a city uh, of my desire. And I started to think about where could we put this? I wanted to put these not with a city government. I wanted to put them with organizations within a city. And I wanted to put them in a city where there was HBCUs um, and, and, and people can from the community can use this supercompute. Um, I had no luck, zero luck, right? Wound up having to put them at, um, they're at Cornell Tech right now. Um, mm. That's where they landed. My only two options was NYU and Cornell Tech in New York City. And then being able to get people from the community to use them is a whole nother capacity building exercise. And so we realize how far behind we are in utilizing supercompute. So there's a pipeline, and this is getting to what you're talking about. And you guys have talked about this a lot. There's a pipeline that I see in this AI space. And this is a fairly high level pipeline. It probably can be broken down to more atomic parts. There's a pipeline and the pipeline is this, um, there's infrastructure and that's your NVIDIA's, um, uh, that's, that's gonna, you know, that's your ARM, uh, Qualcomm, um, uh, Amazon, Microsoft, those folks, that's infrastructure. Then you have your platform companies, right? Google plays in the platform space as well as in the infrastructure place space, right? NVIDIA is moving uh, aggressively into the platform space. So you have all of these platform companies. OpenAI is a platform company that is considering becoming an infrastructure company. So, you know, there's this, but there's infrastructure, platform, and then there is um, um, users, consumers of these AI products. So when we talk about our community, we are over-indexed, woefully over-indexed on the user side. We always talk about how did you use ChatGPT? How did you use Bard? How did you use Claude 2? So on and so forth, as opposed to um, how are people using what we've built? Um, And so there is a, but there are reasons, structural, um, structural reasons, infrastructure reasons, academic reasons. Um, The ecosystem has to exist um, for us to play in this space. And so it's very challenging. So it's really difficult to have a supercomputer and go to a community and say, you have access to about two and a half million dollars worth of compute. 
period, point blank, on the street. And that was before, that was when the stock was at one something. That was before it popped. Um, People were looking at me um, when the stock popped and no one could get any DGXs or any GPUs. They were looking at me like, yo, Ahmed, why don't you bring those back? Right? Because right now there's like a nine, 10 month lead time to even get any of those DGXs of which four of them I gave to New York City. But I had two and a half million dollars worth of supercompute power and you couldn't, you couldn't convince people um, from our community to use them um, for a lot of reasons. It's not, it's not their fault, but it, but it helped uh, shine, shine light on the environment that we're in. I feel like after crypto man t- taking a tumble, all of a sudden AI got hot. Um, do you think that we are in an AI bubble with every venture capitalist trying to deploy capital to AI startups, or do you think we're just now seeing like the golden age and it's only going to get bigger as time goes yeah. on? Yeah, yeah. You guys are asking all of the, the right questions here. I don't know that I have all of the right answers. But what I will say is I don't know that we're in a bubble. I don't know that we're in a bubble, but I will say we're definitely in a hype cycle. Right? Okay. We're definitely in a hype cycle. Um, uh, 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 Altman is playing a role in that. Elon is playing. Everyone is playing a role in this hype cycle. I mean, just creating, ginning up this energy around um, AI. I think, with respects to a bubble, to directly answer your question, with respects to a bubble, I just don't know because um, let me equate it to uh, 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 the gold rush in the 1800s. Right, that's the way I think about it. And some people have used this analogy. Let me use this analogy. Remember what they said about the gold rush. They said the people who sold the shovels, the people yeah. who sold the ax, sold the axes, um, Levi's and Strauss Levi's. Create, yeah. created itself because of the gold rush. It was the infrastructure people that made more money. Wells Fargo as a bank was literally created um, by two men, Wells and Fargo, uh, because of the gold rush. So it's yeah. the people who had support of the effort that actually all prospered. Very few of the 300,000 people that moved west to be a part of the gold rush really took advantage. So what we're seeing now is actually not so much of a bubble because we're not seeing these startups, these small, all of these small startups just get money out the wazoo. We're seeing the infrastructure companies grow. Now I would say because of the hype, the infrastructure companies are all buying GPUs and buying tech. So we're seeing the infrastructure companies grow. I think once we get into the bubble is when you see, you know, Joe's Shrimp Shack Emporium getting $4 million to do an AI version of a point of sale system, right? Um, That's when you're like, okay, um, we've jumped the shark here. But I think that we're, I think that we're in a hype cycle. And then the last thing I'll say to this is the same way as the dot-com bubble, um, we, uh, it was a big crash. I was at Motorola at the time, and it was a big crash during the dot-com bubble. But what we didn't know was the pervasiveness by which the internet would be in the future, right? Yeah. So while there was a bubble and a crash, the internet um, not only got bigger, but it became more pervasive. Good luck buying a car now that's not connected to the internet. Good luck buying anything electronic yes, that's not connected to the internet. I think the same thing is going to happen with AI. 
Like there will be a bubble. There will be a bubble and there will be a crash, but AI will exist as one of the more pervasive technologies. We want to thank you for coming. Uh, appreciate your time. Before you leave, can you just talk about what your current position is and you're working with uh, Bezos, Jeff Bezos, right? Um, foundation. So, yeah, what, what does that entail? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed this conversation. Um, um, so I'm the head of AI and data at the Bezos Search Fund. Um, the Bezos Search Fund is, is a $10 billion um, uh, impact investment fund that Jeff Bezos stood up. You, you guys interviewed Dan uh, Jones, who got $100 million um, from that. Um, uh, and so what we think about is the decisive decade when it comes to climate and nature. Um, so we think about climate and we think about uh, nature conservation. And so across the board, there is a lot of, so we're, we, we, only will, we will only exist for the next eight years now. So it's the decisive decade, 2020 to 2030. My job is across um, all of, you know, energy innovation, decarbonization, agriculture, um, uh, the built environment, all of these sectors, uh, nature, biodiversity, all of these sectors uh, that impact the world and impact the world that we're living in. Um, my job is to think through um, the underpinning of AI, how AI and the uh, innovations of AI will impact uh, the work there. So my job is basically to bring AI to help solve climate and nature problems. That's incredible. Oh, got the right guy. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, man. Um, I'm sure Thank we'll be so in much. contact soon and uh, keep up the great work. My pleasure. Thank you all. And same to you. Same to you all. We need you back again. I appreciate you. Anytime. Appreciate you, man. We, we'll be in contact. All right. Yes. Shout out to Armin. Yeah, man. Very rare. Very rare. Johnny Gill could never. <laughs> Shout out to Johnny. Shout out to Johnny, though. <laughs> Smokey Robinson. Do you think some of the stuff gets taken for granted? Like, I remember pre, like, people weren't even comfortable going on podcasts speaking in urban vernacular. They'll whitewash themselves. Like I think at a certain point we gotta appreciate some of these conversations. Not for sure. Um, at scale. Like it's, it's human nature. You start to this and like once again, um, shout out to Black. I don't have anything against him. He's just a bozo, yeah, but yeah. shout out to him. But I, I think that it actually did um provide a good talking point where he was like, Yeah, you know, they're not they could never be on my level. I interviewed Johnny Gill and Smokey Robinson and, and Mike Tyson. And but that's that's important that he said that, right? Because that gives us an opportunity to just remind people that no, we actually interviewed nine billionaires. So it's, it's almost impossible. Like when you look at, okay, we're an independent media company that started five years ago. Right. Yep. And in that time we've interviewed nine billionaires. This isn't backed by CNBC. This isn't backed by Bloomberg, wall street journal. We don't have any underlining relationships that obligate people to have conversations with us. These are people that just willingly wanted to have conversations with us. Right. Yeah. And, these are billionaires from all walks of life, from entertainment industry all the way up to a high level of finance. Um, so, yeah, when people make ignorant statements like that, it allows you to remind people because people have short term memories. And once you have a high level of success on a continuing basis, then they devalue it. It's like giving somebody something like I just put a post up about that the other day. Unfortunately, the more you give somebody something, the, the more your gifts get devalued. It don't mean like when you first give somebody something, it's like, thank it you, bro. Everything. Oh, you so solid. 
Yeah. Now, imagine if you give somebody something every single day, you give somebody every, something every single day, even if they're the best person in the world, they're not going to value it the same. But the hundredth yeah. time is not going to it's not going to have the same appreciation, the same so, value. Anything. That's the same with information. So like even like we've provided free information at the highest level possible for five years consistently every single day. At a certain point. It, it just gets diminished. It's not, it's not, it's not valuable anymore to people because they don't even see the value in it. They don't, they don't, they don't see like that is special. They take it for granted. Um, they'll just find any little way to nitpick anything that's ever, you know, been, went wrong or, or make up false narratives. Like you pay for information. This is dumb. It's the dumbest thing in the world. You guys charge, you, you, you hide your information behind a paywall. Bozo. We have a, 3,000 hours of information for free. But people say things like that because it's just, once again, it's a narrative that can just kind of just get convoluted and just get, and and, and get devalued because you've done so much work that at a, at a certain point, it it doesn't hold the same value anymore. This is why scarcity, this is why the scarcity model is always best where Bitcoin is worth 30,000 because there's only a limited amount, right? Ripple is worth a dollar because it's, Three billion of them. It's not the same. It's not the same. Like you, you're always going to have a higher appreciation for things that's limited, limited in value, as opposed to things that are too much in value. And here's the crazy thing: I get that all the time. Ian charged 10k for stock club. How could he do that? It's 499 right now. The sales have never been the slowest. I can't wait to raise this price, and I don't want to hit nobody mouth. And and two, I deserve to charge this much. For the returns I've got, if I made you money, please put yes in chat. I'm still the only one worldwide who says it on every broadcast, and it always works. I wasn't promising 30% return in six months, even though I can get it. I wasn't doing that. That was them. So I say that to say, because I'm bringing it back down, appreciate what we have, and shout out to those of you who do. But for those who try to make those those talking points, they do that because their bag's not right. Yeah, and, and Nevin History, and that's the thing, too. Nevin History, had we sold out Royal Albert Hall in London. 3,000 people like never in history has what we like. So when people try, Oh, they just charging for information. They bring in celebrities on like it's, but nothing lasts forever. So you, when, <laughs> when it's no longer, when it's no longer here, I was gonna say, then you'll have a, then you'll have an appreciation. That, Cause you, you, yeah. you, you never really fully appreciate something until it's gone. So all right, don't take, don't make up a false narrative, make up lies. When the hate don't work, they start telling lies. So you can lie. You can, you can discredit, you can take it for granted. You can try to minimize it. Um, but eventually when it's over, because it will be over, eventually when it's over and, and we're no longer here, um, let, let's see what let's see what happens then. Lake Como four times. Dirty. When it hits the fan, whether it's two years, three, five years, you'll never be able to say them boys lied to you, Jack. <sighs> Speaking about it, man, right, Price? No, it's a unique time. It's a unique time yeah. in history. And um, for anybody that's not taking advantage of it, this information age, especially for everything Rashad just said, shame on you. Shame on you. This, and this I'll is- say this for, on y'all behalf, too. Here's the number one reason y'all should keep interviewing celebrities. The numbers on this show. If everybody cared about information, we should be doing three, four hundred thousand easily. I got to get mixy and get salacious and make people hate me and sh- to get the numbers up. Yo, I man, I miss you, Rashad, fighting. What are we going to fight about, Rashad? We got to make up something. WWE, they don't really get along with yo. I, I see the energy and the vibe that changed. And he- see how you looked at him on stage? Okay. Heard how you cut him off right there? 
And then one more thing, one more thing about InvestFest. Like, once again, Bozo, this is for any of the people that's discredited InvestFest. Take the, the information out of it with people like Amon, who has nothing to do with anything other than just what he does for a living. We never in history, we gave an opportunity to 450 small businesses to make money. To actually, like, you're talking about group economics. People just use this shit as a catchy word, group economics. What have you ever done to create any group it. economics? We we brought twenty thousand people to four hundred and fifty business vendors. They spend money, let alone the food trucks. They spend money with black owned businesses over the course of three days. Now, what do you think that that helps to stimulate the economy? Right now, they can actually invest that money into their infrastructure and to buy more products and brand visibility exposure. Mm -hmm. Um, and y'all don't take a cut off the back end, which I think I was, is crazy. And I was gonna say. Out of those 450 vendors, right, that have all sold out of everything they had, if they had a merchandise, if they had a product, they all sold out of it. How much of that do you think they took home? 100%. 100%, bro. If it was Ian Fest, I'd get 50-50. I'd be on my ditty. <laughs> 100%, bro. Take that. Let me get that, bro. Thank you. Jeez, you, yeah, you sold a lot of books. One of them, bro. 100% of it is theirs. Yeah. We're, not even, we're not even looking. Like, it's here to help. Right. If it was from a place of hey, hey, we're trying to create business and generate revenue, yeah, that'd be different. But it's here to help. It's giving 450 businesses 20,000 eyeballs on them every day. We're talking three days, right? So we have a vendor marketplace that is open on Friday. We had thousands of people in there on, on a Friday. You got 20,000 people coming there on a Saturday. You got 20,000 people come over the course of three days. You got 50,000 people visiting your business. How many times is that going to happen throughout the year for your business? From the vultures. And and yeah, I took your content because you was using it wrong. So you had it. You had you actually did have a decent clip and five years ago. And I did take it. And it was a, it was a uh, and I actually made the clip go viral. So that was, you should actually thank me. And then, yeah, of course, we not you, 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 you DM us six months ago asking us to come on Vlad TV and read it yeah. and left it on red because both you threatened to sue me over an Instagram post. Five years ago, like you literally threatened, like this wow. is how, like the, oh, this, we go. This is once again. This goes back to that was left out of the. Th that was there was no context. That part of the, the, this conversation Listen, wasn't happening, bro. You you threatened to sue me over an Instagram post. Like it's happening to me too. And then five years later, you act like it's all good. Like hey, I would love to have you on my platform. No, you're you're a culture vulture, bro. You you're not from our culture. You don't have no you don't have no rights to anything. Like you talking what? about you you you. You advocating for Drake to speak on Jewish issues because he's Jewish. What I said was that you've never advocated for him to speak on black issues as a black man. His yep. response, once again, I gave him a lot more credit for being intelligent. He's actually a bozo. His response was, well, I said that he supported Larry Hoover's concert. Crazy. He said, Drake said himself that I did that for Jay Prince. For Jay and Prince. Out, outside of that, <laughs> that's Larry, but once again, this goes, this, this goes back to how a yeah. lot of people like him, of his hue, look at our culture. Even if they think yeah. they're helping our culture, he thinks that, and shout out to Larry Hoover and you know everybody in Chicago, but he thinks that, once again, he, he thinks that Larry Hoover is a black issue. <laughs> and he didn't even advocate for, he's saying, well, once again, let me, let me explain to you what advocating is. Advocating is not saying, well, I said that Drake did this. Advocating is saying, yo, Drake, you should speak on police brutality more because you're black. You should speak on the wealth gap more because that's what you're doing with this... Um, Israel-Palestine situation, right? Not highlighting something that he's already done. 
That's not that's not advocating yeah. for him to do something in, in addition to. And once again, you're, you you look at our culture as only thing that we can provide is gang violence, gang culture and entertainment. This is why you only interview gang bangers and gang leaders yeah. and you interview entertainers. For, and then you sprinkle it in with some random other stuff like Grant Cardone and stuff like that. But that's the value that you put on our culture. So that's so you saying that you 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 oh Drake he did a free Larry Hoover concert. How is that a black issue? It's not, now one like 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 I, like academics said intelligently, if you would have advocated for police brutality, if you would have advocated for mass incarceration, if you would have advocated for um you know schools having better resources, now that's an issue that affects millions of black people his response well larry hoover is a black leader but you're so out of touch and you once again you and but the problem is that the the black people have given him such leeway to do this nonsense for 30 years that he's he's has so much confidence in himself that he could just speak freely vlad you could never be on our level bro you've been in this for five years 15 years we've been in it for five we've talked to billionaires we do shows with twenty thousand people they come back because there's value not because it's just smoke and mirrors bro we're independent we don't have to ask anybody we don't have to build our platform based on people incriminating themselves we don't have to build our platform based on nonsense interviews that add no value into the world you, we've educated millions of people. You're talking about you 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 told stock tips to your close friends. Boy, boy, you crazy. Yeah. And and yeah. bro, like this is a whole different level. Like the number one thing people will see, like say, what do you mean? It's like, yo, you're a lot taller when you like I'm not an internet so, like personality. This is something that we just lucked up and got happened happened to be. You can't even show your face on camera. You think you would ever look me in the eyes? You out of your mind, Vladimir. Talking about paywall, I hit him in 2020 to come on the show. He said, "Give me 10 grand." What Mark Cuban charges to come on the show? Nothing. Like, what about geez, Dave Rubenstein? <laughs> Nothing. What about Josh Brown or Frank? There ain't no amount. We never paid anybody to come on. Ain't, We've no never amount. paid anybody to come on the platform, and nobody has ever paid to come on the platform. Once again, you guys can create any narrative that you want to create. Um. But what well, Mike Novogratz charge all them times he came on? Keep telling you that bag not, but boys get to talking that bag not right. I keep I said about oh boy, I went on buttons. Ah, why you think he said something? That bag not right. And and nobody can protect you from me saying whatever I want. I don't care how many industry friends you have. I don't care how many people you interview. Nobody can protect you from me saying whatever. You're you're a culture vulture, bro. Just embrace it. That's fine. Like there's a, there's a lane for you. Cause he said there's millions of people that watch his platform. So why would they watch it if there's no value? Because there's no value. That's exactly why they watch it. Obviously there's always going to be more eyeballs on things that's stupid than things that's productive. Dummy. Yeah. Like this is, this is the whole battle that we've been fighting for the last five years. Of course, there's going to be millions of people that watch your platform because you're talking about nothing and you're talking about things that are completely irrelevant to the the, the benefit of society. So there's always going to be more people that's interested in that than something that's productive. You can't you, you can't figure that out. You have you haven't been able to decipher that part of it. I like this version. And you got the wrong person locked up in a Tupac thing, but <laughs> oh, boy, man. the all the detective work got the wrong fucking person. Jesus. 
Another man locked up. Can we talk about Amazon before uh so, yes, so they, they finally uh I like this version of you though. I really let's clap it up. Clap it up. Jim Shotty. Hey. Never seen these people. Jacket, I never seen none of these people in public ever. We've every everywhere. These these people just stay behind a computer. And like I said, this dude is so awkward. He does interviews with people showing them. He did a whole interview with academics talking about me showing academics. This guy's Check unbelievable that. weirdos. Different highest, the highest level of weirdos possible. But um, Amazon job cuts, job cuts finally hit profitability after cutting 27,000 employees. So um, is this a step in the right direction for the company? Um, unfortunately, yes. I'm glad you started with that word. I'm glad you yes, started with unfortunately. that. Unfortunately. Mike, go, go double screen here, Mike. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yes. Um, it's not a measure that I think they wanted to take when we talked about it. And I talked about this with Stock Club. Their profit margins it aren't as high, I think, because they had such a stranglehold on market share. Like when I think of shopping, I think Amazon first. Mm-hmm. Then if it's food related, I go Uber Eats, right? Um, Shadi, I don't win, win the same tribe when it comes to that. But what they didn't focus on enough was getting a profit margin up so they didn't have to do this. I think Amazon, like Apple, needs a little bit more innovation. But the thing that has saved Apple is the wide margins that they have on the hardware business mm-hmm. and their illegal mob when it comes to getting the 30% out of every company in the App Store. Um, so it is a step in the right direction. I don't like companies that cut jobs first as a way to raise profitability. I think there needs to be a lot more innovation. They need to figure out their pricing structure a lot better. But um, for the time being, this is going to benefit them. This is a small glimpse into the the world of economics in the United States. People are going to have to lose jobs for companies a lot of times to hit their bottom line. And yep. if you look at the cycle of Amazon, we went over this two years ago. Every four years, they focus on infrastructure. I'm glad uh, Amon was talking about that. Infrastructure is, is important to them. And so that cost, AWS, I mean, which is a saving grace every quarter. If you look at their Fact. quarters, if you looked at last week, AWS is a saving grace. It could be its own company on its own, but that cost, right? The amount of money that goes into AWS, and rightfully so, it's his breadwinner. But you heard what he just talked about when they're getting into AI Anthropic. This is not, this is a very pricey endeavor. And so they have to have a certain amount of capital allocated to this, or they're going to get left behind. So we're, we're talking about pairing, and we already saw what, who Google's pairing with. We saw who Microsoft is pairing with. Amazon has to pair. And so they have. Four billion was the number that they set up to, but I'm sure it's going to exceed that, right? Yeah, it's going to pass that for sure. Right? So the infrastructure. The, the only part that they can find where, hey, where can we save money? Because we're always going to keep our prices low when it comes to the e-commerce side. D- this is what gives us a competitor, the competitive moat, right? Our prices are better than the competitors, plus we can get it to you faster. That side is not going to change. What can change is, can we do more with less? Mm-hmm. And a lot of companies have done this, and you saw that over the past two years. A lot of companies have decided, yes, we can do more with less. And by less, we're talking about staffing. And so when you see jobs get cut, this is the reason. Because they need to have more capital on the bottom line to make sure that, number one, the infrastructure will be in place. But from a standpoint of expanding from the world of technology, that they're always on par with their competitors so they can Mm -hmm. stay as one of those magnificent seven, which I think they will. I've said this for three years in a row. It's my favorite company. I think from a standpoint of having an ecosystem, 
they're in a perfect position, right? Even when we talked about Apple, and obviously it's the wealthiest company in the history of the United States, but we can see a slight dent, right? If we continue to see, and we said this last week, if, if there's no innovation inside of the phones, and that makes up for 50% of the revenue, there's a dent there. I feel like Amazon's ecosystem, when we're talking about where they can go in healthcare, right? Where they can go in transportation, where they can go uh, in, in e-commerce and they can go in AI. It's so vast. Um, so I like yeah. that ecosystem, but th this is a casualty of it. This is a part of it. So I think, is it a direct direction? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. And if uh, Microsoft put in 10 billion for the partnership with OpenAI, they're gonna have to spend more than four. Unfortunately, they may have to get up to six and a half, seven. So yeah, they have to free up some capital. It's unfortunate. But they have to do it in order to survive. And like you say, if it wasn't for AWS, we would be having a dramatically different Whoa. conversation. Uh, <laughs> Amazon has been a top four stock pick in Red Panda for five years. If they didn't have AWS, it would probably be 11th, to be honest. AWS is a saving grace. Yeah, It's the sure. shining star of the company by far. It's not, not yeah. even close. But cloud service is needed. And if we're going into a space where we have to have storage, it's perfect. It, mm -hmm. It's the perfect place for the future if we're talking about data storage. And they have it, and they're leader in it, the leader in it. Microsoft right behind. But as of now, you know, AWS is, is leading the way. Can we talk about this cheesecake situation real quick and get out of here? Yeah, well, let's do I mean, I want one, one thing. Uh, what I wanted to ask one question Thank before you. we do that. What, what's the best business? Two questions, actually. But what's the best gotcha. business to build in a recession? Because I think that's that's something that's important. Yeah, it's really key. Um, and I think people will keep skating over this point. It's the business that changes someone's lives. Like Rashad, you pointed to it. I think you can go an entertainment clout driven route, or you can choose to have an impact in someone's life. A lot of times when people are building businesses, I think they're copying other people, but not knowing the impact. I was talking to Isha about this earlier. And we we're talking about like rates and stuff like that. And I'm like, most of the people in broadcasting don't get paid a lot because what is the value that they're given? You're really just helping a lot of people pass time at work. But when you're able to transfer so someone's live, like a micro sheet has, or like how we have with the show or EYL, like the, the people that have made other people money, made their marriages better. Like if you look at Oprah, Back in the day, there was a service she provided in her broadcast that made people's lives actually better. So I think the best business to build in, in a recession is one that is actually going to change people's lives for the, for the better. And there's not enough of that being done. There's too many copies of a copy. I don't need a uh, Airbnb for German Chihuahua mixed with iguanas in Atlanta. Like, oh, and oh boy on your ass about that food in Atlanta. Tighten up. I saw Tighten that. Tighten up. I saw you better. That. You better tighten up. Let's, I want to wait 55 minutes outside the hookah lounge when I can just bring you to the Airbnb at the hotel. Tighten up. He went to, he went to Atlanta Breakfast Club. Did, did you go another one after that? Who is this? Yeah. He, uh, uh, what, what, reviews intense. Food reviews. He had Atlanta on fire. Oh, people were trying to shut us. They were hey, Intermezzo, y'all still ain't did nothing about when my car got stolen either. Yeah. Yeah. What dude. we doing? I like y'all. Yo, the the strip Alfredo, all that fire. Okay. Hey, the, the, the consensus is that the food has been pretty good. The service has been pretty terrible. Terrible. He went to Little Baby's restaurant too. Oh, I ain't going to Little Baby's restaurant. But I mean, yeah, all, all the places. I mean, we go to, we have good experiences in Atlanta. We have good yeah, culinary Atlanta. experiences. In I think the food is all right. It's cool. Yeah. Shout out. Well, all right. Not, 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 well, I, I, didn't want, I didn't want to confuse 
the Atlanta Breakfast Club with Breakfast at Barney. Some people do that. Breakfast at Barney's was I don't think he's going there yet. Shout out to no, Barney. That's one of our spots that we, we frequent a lot. But what do you guys think? Um, I know the vultures would answer this, but what business should you build in a recession? Need-based business. I would look to see whatever, you know. I mean, that sounds like a cliche answer, but it's the truth, right? Like, Doran, when we started Earn Your Leisure, it was just, a, I felt like it was a need for, you know, financial education, financial media, and and it wasn't actually, actually, we got another idea that we're going to start. There's another need in the media space. Yeah. Um, but, um, I felt like you should look to look at the landscape and see what, where's, there's the need and what you can start at a low cost. Um, because you don't want to overextend, overextend yourself, especially in a recession. So, um, you know, you, when you look at the communication space, when you look at the media space, when you look at, you know, a variety of different factors, there's opportunities. I think, um, education is going to be revolutionized over the next 10, 15 years for sure. Um, so, you know, I mean, the, the brands that are always, you know, most popular is like clothing brands and food brands. Um, but once again, I don't know if there's a need for clothing. brand. I don't know if there's a need. There's no, there's no need for a clothing brand. There's no mm-hmm. need for food. Now, if you have exceptional product, you can still rise to the top, but it's tremendously harder. Right. I always like to go places where nobody's going, nobody's thinking about, nobody's interested in. That's mm-hmm. a niche. And always remember that you only need a small group of dedicated people to grow. Cults become culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you, what do you got to think about on. healthcare from the standpoint of home health services? I think that that's one of those things that, I, I mean, even now we just kind of overlook, but it's something that is definitely needed. Name a community that doesn't need it. As a population, we're always going to get older. We're always going to need help. And we're always going to need medical care. And if you put those three things together, I don't care what type of environment you're in, that is going to be needed. Absolutely. Um, the fact that we don't look into it more as a professional or career or from a standpoint of creating a business around, I'm not sure why, um, but it needs to be highlighted. It's not clout worthy. It's, it's not, maybe it's not sexy enough, right? Nobody wants to be caught. Oh, I'm the guy that's driving the van or I own those 10 vans. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a pride thing, but I mean, we all had have had grandparents and aunts and uncles who were elderly who need assistance that we gave. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that would be a great, if we're looking in, in terms of the world of healthcare, plus when you talk about insurance and insurance practices, I mean, we talk about guaranteed money from, from, from agencies. This is one of those, those, those places that, we really should be looking at Sam Bankman free. Can we get uh commentary on that? Cause that's important also. You know, um, troubling to say that he didn't know that he was not able to use the customer's funds at his discretion. I thought Keefe D bet did a bad job of telling on himself. I said, damn, you're not even going to try and I-, I wasn't aware. Also, um, maybe maybe Black can have him on and he can incriminate himself a little bit more. He should. Part two, right? His net worth um, might be a little too high. Though. Live streaming from the courtroom. Might be a little too high. Tough. I, it, it's just a travesty uh, overall. Um, I was surprised at some of the commentary overall. I think he had a at a time when he was on fire. And the, pro- the issue is he didn't need to. It wasn't like Madoff's situation where he was robbing Peter to pay Paul, and then the Ponzi came falling, come falling down, and great. He tried to raise more capital. 
he chose not to build a great business. He wanted the shortcut way. And I think everyone who is deciding to take the shortcut route, they're all paying a price for it right now. Uh, we can give more, more commentary later, but that was the most damning admission I've heard is that he really thought he can just use customer funds for whatever he wanted to. And I'm not sure why legal let him uh, state that. Yeah. And then the, 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 the woman who worked with him said she, he told her to do it. But man, listen, if, if we've never had an example more clear of not leaving with your wallet, listen, <laughs> you can have all the money in the world, but if you got billions and that's what you end up with, babe, boy, you need to do some self-reflection. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like it's like we uh, said last week. If it's if it sounds like a fraud, if it smells like a fraud, then it probably is a fraud. So, you know. Um, have you guys been watching live late at night recently? Speaking of which, watching what? No, okay. been watching Instagram live. Oh no! Nah. Uh, sometimes, yeah, I never. never. <laughs> sometimes I watch it. Stuff, stuff going on over there. Some entertainment commentary. Oh wow! Yeah, hey, what do I know? So, what? so somebody put a, a list. So somebody put a list. This is actually a good financial conversation. And you um, agree with the list? Yeah, I'm gonna tell you why. Um, a list of places women absolutely refuse to go to on a first date. Um, thank you, ladies who reached out to help me make this list. I don't know who made the list, but um, I, I guess a woman made the list. Now, absolutely refuses a strong word. So, but you know, for somebody like me who's actually been in this game for a long time. Um, and I'm I'm a, I'm a pretty reasonable person. I'm a reasonable person. I'm just a reasonable so, man. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. So I'm I'm, I'm just gonna go through all of these. Real no, all, how many is it? Twenty about seventeen. Um, I'm twenty. Uh, let's start at the bottom. Now, some of them joints is ridiculous. A uh, sporting event. No, this is why sporting events is a bad idea to go to on a first date because um you don't even know somebody. So it's hard to talk and get to know somebody. This is why like sporting events, movies, bowling, that's all weird. That's weird because like if I don't know you from anywhere, why am I going to go to a social environment where we're not even going to be talking a lot? It's a lot going on. That's something that is probably unadvised. We can knock out all of those in one realm. Uh, sporting events, bowling alley. Um, all of that type of paint and sip. Wait, that's the third day. Is this like wait, a cold first day. Like, wait, wait to the third day. That's just, the yeah. The I'm first day. like this. Somebody you've been knowing, or like, I like Mike Zoom me in real quick. Yeah, why it's like because I'm thinking like if you're going and like I said, I haven't. I've been dating the same person for the for a long time, but I'm just assuming that you would know the person and then ask them to accompany you on now, most of these or is just, just some random person i'm just assuming it's just a random person oh i, I oh, for instagram oh, okay, that you've never you. seen oh, before yeah, yeah okay this is got this, you this, okay this, that, now that, that gives context that's that's weird behavior that's weird that could be. take somebody to the movies that you've never seen before that's stupid game that's, yeah that's not that's advised dumb. that's that's unadvisable i agree and the other scenario would like that there would be nothing wrong with that right what if like you knew the person but you didn't you're not at that point and you was like yo most first dates you don't know somebody i'm just saying most first dates is i meet yeah. a girl yeah. in the mall okay and i get her information yeah. and then i text her and then i say i want to take you out okay that's a first date right, not that i've known you for 10 years no, and i'm not even saying that you know somebody but you don't know anybody you don't know them all right oh, pull up at willowbrook gotcha the, the gym that's weird who, who invites somebody to the gym on a first date the church that's weird that's weird. big weird. That's weird. <laughs> it's a good list. And the girls who try to take you to church first be psychos, yo. It's 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 weird. Weird. It's it's, it's weird I'm behavior. To, to find um, find your soul. Nightclubs, hookah hookah lounges. Hookah could um, be a vibe. All, all of that stuff is weird. That's weird. That's all weird. I'm not in. The hookah lounge won't work. 
Hookah Lounge was later weird. on in the night. Not as the first thing. Like I first meet okay. you. Yo, but I, I'm putting the date as like one experience. It's not. Night. It's the whole night. It's the whole. Experience. But I'm, I'm talking about is like the first entry, the first interaction. I got you. Okay. First interaction. Got you. Now, this is the way it gets complicated with these restaurants of cheesecake, Applebee's, Chili's, Chipotle. <laughs> um, Chipotle. Here's how. Here's how you could possibly. Here's how you. So all you red pill people. Don't come down. I'm gonna I'm give you something. I'm gonna give you a bone here. Pause. You can possibly. No, no, you have to pause that. How's that pause? It's like a dog. You <laughs> give a dog a bone. Nah, nah. You gotta pause that, my guy. I'm not pausing. That's crazy. Stop. Nah, that's crazy. I'm gonna give. Like, that's crazy. I'm gonna give you a bone. That's crazy. You gotta pause that. He here's how you can go to one of these things. It has to be during the daytime. Lunch, like if you work in a city and it's like, hey, let's let, let's just you, your office is right there. Let me meet me, meet me for coffee real quick. Starbucks, you can actually do. That's on the list. No, Starbucks, you can. Why do. They, that? That was on there. You can do that. They okay. hate the Starbucks. It can't be like an elaborate. You can't have an elaborate dinner at Starbucks. Nah, but you go like, yo, let's just grab, let's grab coffee. No, yeah, you meet, me the egg coffee. Bites? Meet, meet me for the coffee. It got to be daytime hours. Daytime you're not, hours. Yeah, you're not mad. You're not. Not eight nighttime. o'clock at night. night eight o'clock not, at night. Starbucks is crazy. You look at if you go in the city and somebody's in Starbucks after like eight thirty, it's like. Bro, you there for a reason. Why you you there for a reason. But get your um, own Wi-Fi, bro. Yeah, is it a date? That's the thing. Technically, it's I a, get, it's a date. It's a date. It's a it's like a half date. It's a, it's a, it's a halfway date. It's it's a, yeah, ain't no date. I ain't even gonna lie. It's a soft date. It's a. I'm not really sure if I if I even want to be with you, so I need to exit. I'm a. I got That's an hour case. for lunch. But you can do that on Facetime though. You uh, you Facetime strangers. I have before. Facetime strangers. <laughs> better than going to the date. So, so hey, FaceTime and see if we vibe before we get to you earn a date. Nah, you, you got past a couple of checks first. I ain't going out the date right? to get the big Fendi. Now all these, all these third, all these third tier restaurants like Cheesecake Factory, Applebee's, Chili's, and um, Cheesecake is third tier already. Cheesecake Factory. I don't know. Is it? it shouldn't be. Cheesecake. Have you ate their food? Nah, the food's that's nah, warmed nah, up nah, in the nah, oven. Nah, 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 that's warmed up in the oven. Some of the food, some of the food that you think is Chipotle it's definitely Apple, a deal for a date. It's Applebee's. I, I put it above Applebee's. It's the same as Applebee's. No, Applebee's. It, it, it's it's a tier above. It's a tier above Applebee's, bro. It's a tier above. That's great. Applebee's though. Yard no house is better than yard house. Is, I would put yard house and cheesecake at the same level. The food is good as yards too. Cheesecake got some joints. Are you taking? A, are you taking a first date to to Cheesecake Factory? If I'm 16, Ian, 17. we're not talking about we talking about adults. We talking about people that's like, oh. right now. You it's like Sugar Factory. Ian, are you taking a Are you taking a date to Cheesecake Factory? I'll take it to the M and M store downtown first of all. I go there. I'm, I'm, I'm going good. to Sugar nope. Factory. I'm not or Chipotle. Chipotle ain't a date. Nah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, I can Uber eat the Chipotle to the hotel if we date. It's but. not a date, like he said. It's a hybrid. It's it's one of these things. Like, hey, just meet me up. <laughs> Bro, you're not neither that. one of you feel comfortable. Let me just explain this. If you're going to Chipotle, right. neither one of you really. She thinks that you might be crazy. You think that she might be weird. Seventeen hundred people in line to take somebody on a lunch on a lunchtime date to <laughs> to Chipotle is you're not you haven't fully brought into the situation, and it's it's a it's a one step in, one step out. I don't really know. Uh, uh, let's just you know, it's like that's like the ice cream situation. Gotta fill out my, yeah, my meter's running out. I think this list was like women that look like a serious situation. So, where are they going? Where, 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 where are they going? Let me, let, me, let me take a look. A nice restaurant. No, this is just places that they don't want to go. Yeah, I didn't agree with the cheesecake one because there's, 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 there's some 
quality options there. IHOP was on that list. That's that's ridiculous. IHOP, Red Lobster, Wingstop. <laughs> she think of Philippe? No, it's, it's there now. Buffalo Fa- Wild Wings. Family functions. That's another weird. That's a weird thing. No, no, that's I'm psycho. not being your family. <laughs> Don't take me to a family reunion if I just met you. So where? All right, so then that's weird. This 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 is not a bad list. I'm gonna be honest with you. Then where are where should people go on the first date? They should go to a restaurant. Which, so like a tier. We should go to a restaurant. Tier one, tier two. Well, no, it's a variety of different places. You can go to um, a, a Japanese restaurant. You can go to a nice Chinese restaurant. You can go to a, a steakhouse. You can go. You don't got to go to the, the most expensive restaurant in the world, but you can you can go to you can go to a restaurant. That's that's normal behavior for that's, a first day. They need alternatives. Is that the only place they can go? Yeah. Like, can we we can't go to the park? Like, what can we do? No, of oh, he's course. Back. He's back. Of course, you can go to a park. That's what I'm saying. If there's gonna be a list of how many things, how many parks have you went to for a first date in your life? Can we keep it real? A lot of these, like, no. If, what, what if, I'm saying, if a girl really vibing with you, you can take her anywhere. Anyway, that's true. But I'm saying, if there's gonna be a list of 30 places that they're saying that you shouldn't go, then it should be at least a list of 10 places well, that, like, here, that might not be a, a bad idea. Here's my here's my conversation for people that's been like, yo, you don't got to spend no money on a first date. You can just take it to the, you know, if your game Pound is right. Go to Pound Town. Here's my thing. We're going to Pound Town. Hey, we're going to get to it. Where you hey, going? All Pound of those dates over with. Here's Pound my Town. Thing What's up? Like, I, think, stop I, on this I, I think you should do whatever you enjoy. I, I, I would go to restaurants because I like to eat. I'm not so going to Applebee's go. because it's gonna mess up my stomach. Like I, I'm not gonna compromise. You ain't doing the two for twenty. <laughs> no, I want to eat. Not like I, I, I like to actually eat. I like to actually eat a, a good meal. Like I'm, I'm, I'm into food. So when I go, the experience is really about what I really want. And then it's like you're, you're, you just happen to be here. Be there. Yes. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying. So big facts. It, it's no, it's real talk. So. <laughs> I don't I'm I don't like to sit down on public parks and have picnics. I, I have knee problems. My back hurts. I'm not an outdoor person. So I'm not into the park thing. But if you're into the park thing, you would put that on the list. You should you should do it if, if that's what you're into. Park recreation. I'm, I'm trying to give commentary I'm not for going, the, the audience. So I, I, like what could they do? I wouldn't go to a place that I would I'm not going to a park by myself. So I'm not gonna go with a date that's not enjoyable. I would go to a restaurant by myself if I was hungry and just have a drink and, <laughs> like by myself. Yeah. I would eat dinner by myself if 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 I needed to. So this is something that it, it doesn't it's just a conversation can't hurt. So yeah. I think you should do whatever you would like to do personally and then and have that person come along with you. Yeah, I think I think movies is a good starter, guys. You would go to the movies with somebody that you On never first met date? ever? I think that's psycho. That's like a psychopath I behavior, know. bro. I, I don't know. I've been out. I mean, I have. Like I, I just was, met her in Hudson Yards and then we go to the movie or I know nah, like you grab it. Like it's part of it might be part of the evening. You, you never up, know. No, I'm talking about you meet somebody on Instagram. You never yep. met them in person ever. And you're that's weird. You're setting a date. And that's how most date first dates happen. The eight, the date is, hey, I got eight p.m. movie tickets right. for us. Let me let so me help saw nine. Let me, let me give context. <laughs> what? Let me, let me give context. What? You're gonna kill you? you no, 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 no. Might get killed. Let, let's say that I spoke to her. Right? I spoke to her. She's a huge Beyonce fan. I go take her to see the Beyonce joint on the first date. The movie. Yes. The movie. The movie. It, it, it's coming out. Yeah. I go, you, you I'll see what, what you're trying to do. You, you see what I'm saying? Right, I'm going. We're going to have that. You, you might grab a bite to eat prior to that. You see what I'm here's saying? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's here's the, the thoughtfulness thing. in there. But you haven't. When's the last time you went on a first date? A long time. Exactly. So and it's a different era too. 
That's why I said I'm, I don't know. I, I said yeah. I thought that would be this is this is this is the problems with that. You let's say you go on a date and you get to speak and dinner and she turns out to be a weirdo. I don't want to spend two hours with you in a movie sitting next to you eating popcorn. That's an even more awkward situation. The dinner is the fill out. This is a fill out conversation where we can have we can communicate with each other in a controlled environment. We're not we're not walking. We're sitting down. Yeah. We're next to each other. We're having a conversation. You don't need a 10 minute FaceTime to fill it out first. I would think I would here's the thing. I would see, I'm looking at that differently. I would see like yo, the, the movie might be something now that we can have a conversation about over dinner. I can get some of your interests, some of your likes. Imagine going to a movie with a stranger. Imagine. I'm not saying a stranger. Obviously, I'm not that's a stranger, bro. He's a stranger. I'm like, I, I admired her. I know I've seen her a few times. Like, yo, what you doing? Seen her where? I'm I'm this is a new age. You're talking about Instagram. This I'm is talking about like 90% of relationships are getting started on social media. Oh, yep. There's no seeing anybody. You're seeing their pictures. Or you seeing that investors. Big Fendi. And, and some of y'all is that investors. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, better. yeah pocket check. You. Ladies, I told y'all in Chicago. You know what Ian, what's your, what's your, Ian, what's your date? What's your date? Um what what do you what would you add right? for, first, the, for the general for the gentleman? What's your date rules? What's your rules? What's what's Ian Dunlap's date rules? But can can he just give us? You I told me his date I know, you said a restaurant, Ian. I want to hear. So like, where I lady. won't go? That's his date rule. Where are you? Where are you going? Oh, um, I'm with Shadi though. I'm done with this too though. But like all, all my first days be like vacations and shit though to places I'm going. <laughs> just come with. We want to talk like the little five hundred dollars just state STK. Well, I would have really. London real quick, da da da, Bora Bora and hey, where we gonna go? Before, I don't want to be though, but before you met him, no, I'm just no, no, I'm just I'm just before you met him. Oh, before oh, you oh met my him. first, my first, you want the real? My first date, I on town, we going pound town. <laughs> Ain't no dinner, we going right to it. GPS, you, you know, eight if you like me or not, what we doing? I don't talk about no flounder. Pound town, you go out pound town. You put pound town in the GPS. Big Fendi, anyone you see me with one pound town first? But put yes in chat if you know. If you know, Todd, where you at? <laughs> Bigs, I'm the other easy money sniper. Quit playing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to so, hear nothing so, about so, your aspirations so, when you was so three. Your, so your, your first date, your first date is an Uber to your house. Eurostep, <laughs> Giannis. Oh, yo, it says right there, bad spot, your house. That's your first date. That's your that's my your first spot, date of choice. Yeah, I may I may go to an alternative location, but my spot of vibe though. No, no, I'm not saying it's not. But it, I'm just saying that a, that's your yeah. that's your that's your that's your first time we ever meet somebody. You're coming to my residence. Some, it has happened. Not all the time. It has happened. Is that like yeah, Netflix? Is it, is it a Netflix and chill situation? Or it's like, yo, can't I maybe Paramount like, Pound. You know what I mean? Paramount. Go Paramount get all the little Fiji's you want. This is the real Paramount. I'm only giving you the real. I'm sorry. <laughs> that that that's, hey, that's the other feel. I'm going to FaceTime you. Great. Come through. One kick it. Cool. No pressure. Going to get to it. Then before we get to the, all the little, uh, uh, bring you out. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, uh. So. These are just jokes written by 85 South, DC Young Fly, Chico B, and Martin Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll be in New York City this weekend. Somewhere that requires a long drive is crazy. I would say this. That's crazy. As best practices. If if that is the the I would say to try to do an alternate location because 
old school rules is you never show somebody where you live if you don't know. In fact, this alternate location is big because you can get alternate up. car is big too, though. I'll never take them in the real car. No, nah, you know, you never show them where you live, though. That's, that's important. You won't get a plate, da da da. You what you think I had the little Mazda for? Huh? You think so? <laughs> here, come get in, the, get in this. Nope. All right, it says a bar. A bar for drinks. Can we grab drinks? It's just loud. You can do a bar. It's just loud. It's loud. Yeah, it's loud. Happy hour. Happy hour is even louder. Usually, that's too much. Man. Man. Yeah, happy, happy hour. Every, everybody's there for happy hour. But usually, happy hours don't have. Just go to, look, guys. Just go to dinner. Just go to dinner. It. You gotta have alternative. No, there's no need to alternate. Dinner or boring first date sometime though. No, if she's a boring. Only, only if the person is boring. Now we gotta. We gotta oh, see, we talking. See, we talking. The person is boring. You're not gonna know that. It's a complete stranger. Exactly. Know until you sit down. Exactly. It doesn't always work out when we out. Yeah, it don't always work out. Are you are you ever at any point saying I'm leaving the table and never coming back? Oh, big. That's I, I'm, 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 I'm not going to run out on the bill. I'm not going to run out on the bill. No, I'm going to pay you the, the bill, but I'm leaving though. No, no, no. I'm going to tell now. I'm going to end it. I'm going to end the night. I'm going to end the I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I done hit the nature D a couple times. Here, go take the 300. Oh, yeah. I think the mummy is born as hell, boy. Now, I'll call your Uber. Like, no, he really call your Uber. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know. You're making up, like, saying, like, you saying that? No, yeah, I'm going to call your Uber. Okay. I'm going to call your Uber because it's over. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's let's wrap this up now. Um, Bring a check and let's call Uber. But for the most part, Dinner. Look, guys, dinner's a safe bet. Outside of the low tier dinner place. What restaurant then? Brooklyn Chop House. Shout out to Brooklyn Chop House. Shout out to Don Poole. Shout out to Brooklyn We frequent there. Shout out to Mike. Nah, but you can go to a variety of different places. Like I said, I mean, you go to you don't have to spend an arm and a leg. You can go to the, one of these. There's a lot of Asian restaurants that's decent priced. There's a lot of you know, any any type of food you want. You go to any type of food. I don't want to be specific. Go to Ethiopian restaurant. Just be prepared to eat with your hands. Um, that might be something that might be a little awkward if you just that's met somebody. That's very intimate. That's very intimate. It is. But Mexican, <laughs> go to like a Mexican restaurant, like a more high-end Mexican restaurant. What about hibachi? Hibachi gets tricky because you're with strangers. Get, but it, everybody doesn't know anyone. So that's a little awkward because you don't have that one-on-one time to communicate. It, it, I would say sushi. Sushi. Sushi is a good... Sushi is the Noble cheap... Easy. Listen, Sushi, this is what you do. You go to a sushi restaurant. It's the cheapest, most respectable place that you can go to. You're not paying more yep. than $20 for sushi. I don't care where you go. So, yeah. and, and they're all nice places relative. They're better than Cheesecake Factory. Go to <laughs> sushi. Thank me later. Thank me later. Yo, listen. The, nope, the, 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 oh, right. the, the winners, please. Can I just say that the, oh, salmon, yeah. the salmon nachos at Cheesecake are official, bro? You, you would like them. I know you would like them. That's a fact. Um, cheesecake. That, that's a fact. And the avocado rolls is incredible. It's, it's, not, and that's it's, warm, it's warmed up in the oven. They got avocado rolls at Cheesecake. The avocado rolls is official. It's bro. Fr- like they're, fro- they're frozen oh, and they warm it up in the oven. Oh, yeah. Here's a fact though: they import the cheesecake though. They don't make it on site. I didn't know that till like two years ago. And the cheesecake is official it, too. They just put it in the freezer. That's, <laughs> that's different. Yeah, that's different. The food. Yeah. Different. Shout out to. Um, Maybe we'll get a free meal out of this. Yes, sir. All right, man. So we, we got to announce our 10 winners <laughs> from Market Monday Chicago. Uh, these 10 people will be added to Sniper, and they are also being added to Stock Club. Is that Stock yes. Club? That's correct, Ian? Yes. All right. So here are our winners. Uh, please listen for your names. And we already have your email, so we're going to add you, hopefully tonight, if not first thing tonight, in the morning. Yep. Uh, Morgan McClellan. Morgan McClellan, you are our first winner. Congratulations to you. 
Mike Lloyd. Mike Lloyd, you are second Mike. winner. Daryl Reynolds, you are our third winner. Corey Patterson, Derek Cornelius, uh, Keisha Jackson, Deja Thank Blair, you. Donna Holt, Casey Taylor, and Cheryl Northcutt. Congratulations to all 10 of you. Uh, you are now on your way to your trading future. Thank you, uh, guys. Part of the sniper program Thank as you, guys. Well as Stock Club. Thank you, guys, for love. coming. Oh yeah, another thing with the sushi thing is that it's quick too. It's very quick, so that's another. You can these um those those places they get you in and out. So uh, it, in case the the date does go bad, in case the Uber needs to um, yeah, forty five mm -hmm. minutes. It's been real. Get some sake. Call you a Uber. Yeah, just in case it don't go well. Namaste. Yeah. Konnichiwa. That's Should the date be earned though, or we're gonna say that for another day? For well, everything, love. Everything's earned. Everything earned, right? How to avoid dinner scammers. Well, the you, next, know, you know who we are. The next topic <laughs> on earn your leisure. You know if they are. take my advice, they'll avoid it. Can you do it? Can you do a 90-minute investigative journalistic um reaction video on that? How to how to how to um avoid dinner scammers? Can you interview um people that have been victimized by dinner scammers and, and do a investigative journalism um, reaction YouTube video for that one? That would be helpful. That'd be funny. For sure. The dinner scam. Absolutely. For sure. Women, women are part of this as well. For sure. Can't they can't scam if, if the goofies go for it. Takes two. Takes dudes two be doing way worse. You think? No, the dudes are just giving money on cash out. Oh, for real. <laughs> that, that let me pay your rent thing that Chris posted that one. Oh, it's, I, I know about ten of them. Yeah, girl, let me just pay your rent for the month. What? Yo, yo, did y'all see Flavor Flavor before we go? Yeah, <sighs> we're in trouble. World War Three. <laughs> World War Three on its way. Wow! Save your money. Buy precious metal. GG King ain't playing. Oh my god! We in trouble. Save your money, ladies and gentlemen, and buy precious metals. Yes. Oh man. Yo, man. We'll see y'all next week. Thank you for rocking with us. Salute. Peace. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.